Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. This week is Doug Space Nine time. So Doug and I will be discussing Babel and Captive Pursuits, two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine from Season 1, Episodes 4 and 5. But first, it's the space news, and we're talking about UFOs. Space news! Just trying to get ready to record a space news over here, and Alexandria's rocking out to some blues traveler. (laughs) I typed the word surefire in an email, and that's what happened. What happened? I typed the word surefire, and this song came into my brain. Oh, I got (laughs) you. (laughs) <laughs> no one can see your dancing. We didn't videotape this on. one. Mm, mm, mm. Well, blues traveler. <laughs> Do you, are you finding something about space travel? Oh, come nice. on now. Nice. Put it together. Uh, sort of. I got some space news. Are you? Uh, <laughs> I want to give me a run around. Is this a surefire way to Are you uh, ready for some but space news? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, maybe. (laughs) I I have a good one. Go for it. Okay. This is from LiveScience.com. UFOs are real, and Uh, you were never supposed to see them. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. What did you hear? That. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, let's get into this. But, okay, it sounds like I was, like, being snarky, like you had just said it, and I said I heard about it, but I literally have. Uh Uh-huh. But keep going. Okay. (laughs) Um, In December 2017 and March 2018, the New York Times released three allegedly declassified videos showing U.S. Navy pilots trailing some unidentified flying objects. The mystery crafts moved at hypersonic speeds, flying tens of thousands of feet above the Earth with no distinct wings, engines, or visible signs of propulsion whatsoever. Were they flying saucers? Incredibly high-tech drones? The pilots had no idea. And according to a recent statement from Navy intelligence officials, neither does the U.S. government. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Are you are you researching Blues Traveler right now? You be quiet. <laughs> you don't know my life. Um, Let me see your phone. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Navy? The Navy doesn't know about it? Do you need me to read that again? No, are you no, with, are just, you with me? Just the Navy part. Okay. Um, according to a recent statement from Navy intelligence officials, they don't know what it was either. So basically, there are these like viral videos of of UFOs, unidentified mm-hmm. flying objects, mm-hmm. uh, that the government is has confirmed are actual real videos that they took. <clears throat> like it's not just some crazy thing that some person like me made. Cute <laughs> question. Yeah. We've been calling them UFOs since yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Do they have any other new name? Do they have any other like... They do. What is that new name? It says UFO in this article that there is a new name and I don't remember because, what it is. Because, come on, y'all. 
we don't have any updated terminology. Maybe it's in this article. Well, let me let me keep going here. Okay. Um, in a statement delivered to the intelligence news website, The Black Vault, Joseph Gratisher, a spokesperson for the Deputy Chief of Naval Operations for Information Warfare, announced that the Whoa. Navy officially considers the craft in these three videos unidentified aerial phenomena there we go oh. uaps that's it uaps that's that sounds way more 2019 uap yeah you're down that's, with uap yeah yeah you know me i hate you so much no so very much just, you're just gonna stop doing this show at one of these days y'all are never gonna see me again you're like the, Hear me the again. puns the beaming Jeez. me out of my apartment Jeez. without asking it's just Jeez. it's horrible this is terrible i don't i don't treat the rest of the space nerds this way well i treat doug this way i'm nicer to jane that's so rude <laughs> so, why do i get this why do i, get I would this have treatment? i would have texted jane to ask her before beaming her out of right is it because i'm black huh <laughs> huh jesse you know maybe this is Did you think i ain't got shit that i'm doing <laughs> Sure, I was just playing Breath of the Wild, this but still. Is, this is just another example of uh, institutionalized racism. Man. The man. You are the man. You are the hand of the man. Using uh, white-ass technology I... to beat me into somebody's recording studio. You know, I'm just not going to comment. I did get it from Jordy LaForge, and he's black. But that he's from the future, so. He's also fine as hell. He really is. Shout out to LeVar Burton. Yeah, for real. I know that you're married, and like you're 65. But you could get it. There you go. <laughs> go for it. You're still reading things. I don't remember. Um, okay. That means that the eerie videos are authentic and we that the objects, that. which were detected in restricted military training airspaces in 2004 and 2015, were not supposed to be there. The objects still have not been successfully identified as any known type of aircraft. So the other side of this is that there are branches of the military that you know, the, the the debunking of these theories is always that there is some extra secret branch of the military that is testing things that other branches don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a possibility in this case or not, because I obviously don't know what the fuck I'm talking about and just getting all my information from this article. But maybe. It's just, okay, so I know crazy is an ableist term, so I try not to like say that word but does this mean that all those people that we called crazy back in the day were just like is the government gonna shell out anything for damages for them because like i'm sure that they helped get the public to call them crazy and so that we wouldn't believe that any of this shit was real but it's real real that's a really interesting point if the government has been either a testing secret flying things that people are reporting as flying saucers and they're saying it's not or B, covering up the fact that they have found flying saucer footage and mm-hmm. they're saying that it's not mm-hmm. because they're lying to the public to stop them from freaking out about aliens. Mm-hmm. Does the government owe the people who have been institutionalized for claiming to have seen these things some sort of something? Retribution. Retribution. Great word. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a really interesting question. I don't know. This is also interesting to me because like, I, I know someone who, has, who claims to have seen a UFO. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the 70s when also, they were flying UFOs. saucer. It just seems so outdated. Like, I, I th- just, just the weirdest phrase. But don't you just get excited when you hear flying saucer? Like, I really think about the, the plate that holds a cup. I think about aliens. That's great. <laughs> I love the way you said that too. But yeah. okay, so you know someone. That's a reference to a thing that I haven't seen, but I've only seen the meme about. It's horrible. Um, yeah, so I know someone who has who's told me about seeing a, a UFO. That was the lovely sound of Alexandria's water bottle <laughs> scraping along the bottom of the microphone. Um, 
and I I don't I don't disbelieve him. You know, yeah. I definitely don't disbelieve him. Like he tells me this is what he saw. I believe that he saw a thing, mm-hmm. and I also, you know. I don't know what it was. Obviously, he doesn't know what it was. Yeah. But he knows what he thinks it was, and he thinks it was an alien. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. I'm down with that. <laughs> like, I I find it impossible to believe, or extre- extremely unlikely to believe that we are alone in the universe. You know what I Truth. mean? Like, that's not something that I can readily accept. That just seems, like, so self-important to say that we're the only creatures like we're us in the, the universe. We're the only creatures like us in the whole universe. Like, there's probably creatures way more advanced than us. What if it's just men in black? This is how we all, this is how we got started, Jesse. You yeah. and me. Yeah, yeah. Men what, in black. What if this is just, they are already here? And the government is hiding it. Like, you're an alien. That's why you're so cool well, with I'm science a, fiction. I'm a time traveler. I'm not an alien. Okay. I'm from the year 3000. Have I told you that? Nope. Well, we can talk about it later. I, okay. Um, <laughs> I broke my time ship. Oh, okay. We are still going. Okay. Well, we can talk about it later. Th- you said later. Yeah. Already. I mean, that was later. I'm a time, I know time. Okay, I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what if the government is just hiding the fact that there are aliens here now? Mm-hmm um red pill blue pill yeah and why would they do that like what why would that actually happen like in in the men in black world it's because people can't handle it and people would panic do you think that exactly we i'm not gonna say we because it ain't got shit to do with me but this country already is looking stupidly at immigrants sure so you mean to tell me if we can't even look at our next door neighbors with kindness Mm -hmm. that we're gonna allow some extraterrestrial being to just kick it yeah i mean this is a this is i'm not the person to ask this question to because that's what i want so bad like i i've been daydreaming about being abducted by aliens since i was a kid like i you know, I think I had a dream once where aliens flew down into my street where I grew up and it was just like the happiest day of my life because hmm. I'm like, oh my God, they chose me, you know, <laughs> they're going to talk to me. Um, yeah. So I, and I, I've always believed that there was other life out there and who I, now that I'm older, I have no idea what shape or form that would take, Yeah. but I do believe that it exists and I would love to find out, you know, that's just a lifelong dream for me to find out that aliens exist that's that's something that i have always wanted and because i was raised on star trek i would initially think that like if someone is crossing the galaxy to talk to us it would have an important message either that or they're they're probably not coming to conquer us Mm -hmm. you know like they're probably coming to i think that that to learn about us you listeners if y'all are sensitive here comes this is a little warning because I'm about to say something that might make you mad. I think it's the same thing. Like, you have very positive beliefs about visitors, period. And about positive beliefs about anything concerning mankind. Like, you're okay with us building an elevator to the moon because you believe in the goodness of humanity and that it won't, humans won't ruin it. Well. I think... (laughs) I, I, I can hold conflicting ideas in my head at the same time. Because okay. I, I believe in the 
I do believe in the goodness of humanity, but I've also seen the ugliness of humanity mm. too many times to ignore it. Yeah. It's not like I don't see it. Well, I'm not trying, and I wasn't trying to call you like naive or stupid or anything. What I was saying is to that point, because I feel like it's the same reason why uh, racism is still really huge here <laughs> in life, because the people who are in the power believe that if power was given to those who are oppressed we would rise up and do the same things that have been done to us Mm -hmm. and i feel like as people who don't would not want that to happen they would not be welcoming of extraterrestrial guests because they would just assume that those guests are there to do what they've been doing for years pillaging colonizing all those good things and so good things you know all those all that stuff and so i feel like the general pop won't want extraterrestrial visitors because for fear of the same shit that they have done to other nations other countries happening to their entire world and i'm sure you're right and i'm sure that most of the population would approach the discovery of aliens with fear Mm -hmm. and it could be very bad it could be very serious i mean we could be firing nuclear weapons at at aliens or whatever you know but i mean the way that i think about it is that if if you think about the technology that we currently have on earth mm-hmm. have you ever heard the term the long peace Mm-mm. we are currently living in the long peace uh the time in which nuclear weapons have been deployed and like create not just created but deployed against other humans and we've seen the devastating effect of that and mm-hmm. seen that we could literally wipe out all life on earth with these weapons and have chosen not to use them since then as a globe mm-hmm. like no one has fired nuclear weapons at another country since world war ii so that's that period of time is looked at historically as the long peace and i mean this is a little terrifying but there are historians who look at that and say that can't last forever Oof. um so we have the technology to destroy ourselves and we are choosing not to use it. And we're either going to continue to make that choice or destroy ourselves. And if you think about the type of technology that would be required to fly across the universe and visit another culture, you probably have the technology to destroy yourselves and everyone on your planet. And you've probably had to make the choice not to. And I think that there's something inherent in that that requires empathy and self-awareness and caring about life in order to make that choice. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to wipe yourself out. Mm-hmm. So it makes the most sense to me that anyone visiting us from another galaxy or another planet would probably be sci- scientifically driven. But that's just my idealistic thinking. I, who knows? Maybe they're some warlike creature just looking to use us as slaves or batteries or whatever you see you in know, all these or, movies. Or like put us on a necklace. Put us on uh, Orion's <laughs> yeah. belt. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like uh, part of a cat's wardrobe that's now. That's it. That's um, it. Yeah, I mean, so that's how I think about it, and I also, you know, like, I'm someone who, like, really believes very strongly that if someone is fleeing their home, that you should open up your your home to them, mm. you know? And I feel that way about immigration, and... Because that's the thing, what if, they, what if an extraterrestrial guest is seeking asylum? Yeah. But then that the enemy of that guest sure. shows up, then it's just like, we put ourselves in the middle of a Right, and we, and we don't have the technological oh, yeah. uh what wh- whatever we don't have the advanced weaponry to fight or protect someone to give them asylum right. that's a fascinating question and that'd be a great sci-fi movie uh, like someone coming to present day earth and requesting asylum Seriously, who's part of like an intergalactic war have. and don't yeah. put us in the future with yeah, like no near future shit no yeah. s- no although i love screen, near future shit, like screens that pop up everywhere no like with our literal iphone i'm an i have an iphone 6s 
okay yeah and they're on the like iphone 10 or 11 now i don't have either of those <laughs> so i have to help save the world with my iphone 6s like yeah. come on yeah but that's such an interesting question like should you give asylum to someone when you don't have the strength to protect against what they're running from mm. that's a really interesting question um and like that you know that's why i'm not a politician because i don't feel like I could ever make those calls. Yeah. You know, like I'm not, I'm not qualified to make choices for anyone other than myself. So, but I think that no, I, I think that almost no one is. Yeah. And I think most of the people that want to make those choices are absolutely not qualified for it and shouldn't be the ones doing it, but want the power of it. I don't know. This mm. is a rabbit hole. We're already down one. Yeah. I barely read any of that article. We started with UFOs, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, that is the thing is like, what if UFOs already exist, the government knows about it, and they've been lying to us? Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to know the truth. I I would want to know the truth. I do recognize that maybe it is safer to keep the truth from the general population because mm-hmm. the general population has a tendency to make horrible decisions. Yes, and, we do. And keep... I say we. I don't mean we. Well, yeah. I yes. feel weird about that, too, because, like, I, you know... I, even though like I didn't vote for Donald Trump, I live in America. Mm-hmm. I'm still an American. Mm-hmm. And the things that he does still reflect on me in some way because I live here, even though I think he's, you know, a horrible human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's, that's weird. Like I've been thinking about that a lot. Like what does we, and what does we mean in that scenario? Because I am a part of we, because I live here, even if I'm not a part of making those choices. Yes. How you doing over there? Good. When you thought when you started talking about we, it was going to take me down another dystopian fiction rabbit hole, which was Ayn Rand's Anthem. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the name of the book. Yeah, and it's a good book if you are into some <laughs> some really great dystopian. Anyway. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, how do you feel about the government hiding aliens? Do you think that that's the right thing to do? Sure. Um, I, there are other things that I think I would want to know the truth about before the truth about aliens. Um, but I already feel like, cause I just want to know if certain people who are like the street prophets are real or, Hmm. or, you know, are they, uh, they're, um, right in that, like, you know, the government already has a cure for cancer, but the cancer is a billion dollar industry. Oh, interesting. Cause then that's another thing of like. These naturopath doctors who are like finding ways to cure cancer keep coming up dead. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, what? But then I don't know if it's like the, if the street profits are true or if they're just selling yeah. us something. You know what I mean? If sure. they're just the I hate Americas. But yeah. So I mean, there are certain little... things that I would want to know the truth about before sure. UFOs. But like, I'm not at all surprised. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't I actually don't have a strong feeling about whether or not this footage is ufos or not mm-hmm. i really don't know and like i don't wa- of course i want to think that it's ufos but i have no idea so i it doesn't like imp- it doesn't impress upon me that much um that this is a thing and that maybe the ufos are already around you know because like as far as i'm concerned i i'm either going to get confirmation during my lifetime or i won't right and until i do i'm gonna still want it so until it's like confirmation it's not going to be what I want. So I hear you. even just these videos is like really interesting it's like, to me. It's like a teaser though. It's not yeah. really saying yeah. this is absolutely true. Yeah. But it is interesting that there are people within the government saying, you know, like don't let the government tell you that they know what this is because they don't. Yeah. That's the gist of this news article. Yeah. Is, you know, the Navy don't even know. The Navy don't know. Yeah. Oof. 
And that's the space news. Space news! If you enjoy the space news, I highly recommend you check out the first video edition of the space news that has come out on my YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. And speaking of my YouTube page, you can also find this entire Doug Space Nine live stream on my YouTube page if you want to watch our faces instead of just listening to us. That is available on my YouTube as well. Uh, so this Doug Space Nine was originally live streamed on YouTube on October 26th, 2018. So this is Babel and Captive Pursuit, episodes four and five of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And let's get to it. I was thinking about this this morning that I, like if I could make the sound of an asteroid slowly uh, crossing the screen, I yeah. would do it. <laughs> oh, here. Ready? I can make the sound of an asteroid. Do it. There's no sound in space. <laughs> Boom! Bum, bum, there bum, we are. Da da da. Do 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 do. Do do. Boo 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 boo. Hello. Bum, bum, bum. Welcome to Doug Space Nine. Yay! We got Amanda. Hi, and we've man. got uh, Sluzinski. We've been hanging out in the chat. Welcome, everybody. Look at our hot new background. If this were like a real situation we would be in front of like the biggest l cars screen ever <laughs> like if you look at the relationship the size relationship from yeah. us to it it's like way too large what hey patrick what's up man we could be giants yeah maybe we're giants maybe we well actually no we'd be midgets we'd be very tiny oh i see oh it's right a giant yeah, screen. We're, size the screen. we're like pocket-sized mm. officers of starfleet <laughs> uh it's actually like kind of hard to find Good gifts to put in the background for this. I'm on the wrong side. I gotta know where my. Oh yeah. Beep 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 beep. Boop, Searching boop. background gifts. Boop boop boop. <laughs> if I could figure out how to make them, I yeah. Can make I was thinking about that. It would be cool to make them. There's got to be some program where you just point it at Netflix and you're like, make a gif out of Netflix. Please. Yeah, totally. That would be awesome. I, I don't know. Every time I watch an episode now, I'm like, that would be a good background screen. That might be a good gif. <laughs> Hi Patrick. Hi Amanda. I'm behind. I was late, also, by the way. Sorry for anyone who waited. Dude, I like your shirt. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's very cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I almost wore a Star Wars shirt because we discovered last week that, or two weeks ago, that Star Wars oh. and Star Trek take place in the same universe. But I do have nice. one Star Trek sock. I'm actually wearing Star Wars underwear, but I'm not going to show that. <laughs> I, That's for the later stream. <laughs> I could, I could, but I won't. That seems wrong. Someone donate $25 right now <laughs> to see Jesse's Star Trek underwear. You know what? If someone donates $25, <laughs> I will not show my underwear. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dark road. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the thing you don't want to start because it goes, it goes okay, wrong. Fine. I will take my shirt off. <laughs> For free. Well, that was a close call. We got some skin. Uh, oh, man. So we have a two lot. episodes to talk about today. Babel and Captive Pursuit. And I really enjoyed both of them, and I'm so excited, because, mm -hmm. like, last time, both episodes were, as as I came to think of it, aggressively mediocre. Yeah, yeah, early early Star Trek, early season Star Trek. Yeah. And this week, I mean, there's some, like, weird shit in both episodes <laughs> that I definitely want to make fun of, but yeah. overall, I really enjoyed both of them, mm -hmm. and I'm very excited to talk about it. I liked one a lot more than the other. Which one did you like more? Uh, I liked, um, Captive Hunting Tosk a lot more than... The Babel one, I was like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, the the it was one where it's like we're just rushing through motivations of like this is why we have to do a thing and you're like is that doesn't make any sense it doesn't matter we still have to do this thing yeah I know That's what like you're talking the, about the laziest of of sci-fi things I I hear you I 
I remembered Captive Pursuit really well. It's, I remembered like loving that episode. Yeah. Like ten years ago when I watched it last. I feel like it's the first really solid Deep Space Nine, apart from the pilot. Yeah. That is really like, oh, this is what Deep Space Nine is gonna be. Yeah, it feels like classic Star Trek with a twist. It's mm-hmm. like classic Star Trek that's a little bit darker mm-hmm. and your characters are making more questionable decisions right, and right. like you're in a position where you can't really just say, Oh, it's the prime directive, I can't do this because you're like stuck inside of a situation where you're like not on a Starfleet vessel and you like have to like Miles O'Brien in this situation has to make decisions that, you know, he probably wouldn't be able to make on the Enterprise. Right, 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 um, right. Like <laughs> he would not really have the option to kind of break out. I mean Picard would stop him. Like Cisco decides not to well, we'll you know, we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Wanna, um, how do we want to start? Well, start? Let's do Babel. Let's okay. let's do this. I, Amanda I mean, says Babel is amazing. Yeah. I, I really liked Babel. I I, I, there's like a lot that I really love about it and some that I was yeah. a little disappointed in. Um, mostly I just really like it. I feel like Babel sets up such a great premise, which is yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> your characters speaking nonsense and, and being upset that no one else understands them. Because mm-hmm. like it's one of my favorite things where like people will say something completely ridiculous in utter sincerity. Right, I just right. love it. I love that. And Miles O'Brien does such a good job of selling it. He's mm-hmm. so good at it. It's so amazing. Like the the first few scenes with Miles when he is like becoming aphasic and he's, you know, speaking nonsense, he just delivers it so perfectly. And yeah. you can almost hear the other lines of dialogue that he's supposed to be saying right, 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 when he's right. not actually saying them. Like you can almost hear what the dialogue is. And I actually, I looked it up, and like they did write out dialogue, uh, and then in parentheses what they were supposed to be saying, so they could emote the properly. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I I really liked that. But the problem with this episode for me is that that stuff is so much fun. But then as soon as someone becomes sick with this aphasia virus, they just put them into a box and then and close the box. <laughs> time out. They're you're, gone. you're in Star Trek timeout. Yeah. <laughs> they're in the, the like Q's penalty box yeah. for the rest of the episode, and they never really come back. <laughs> you have to be careful, because if someone else goes in the penalty box... Then you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean... It's so much fun to walk to watch the characters speak nonsense, but then as soon as they start, they're gone. And like, right. ah, it's so frustrating. I just want them to be around speaking nonsense for the rest of the episode because it's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my big disappointment with the episode. But, uh, but even with that being the case, you still get some really fun stuff happening later in the episode where mm-hmm. Quark and Odo basically have to run the station. Yes, that's good. Which is fantastic. It's a good dynamic for them. And then Kira goes off to try to find the the Bajoran doctor who can fix the aphasia virus and it makes very little sense what's happening like Julian Bashir and his you know genetically Genetically engineered brain cannot figure out what to do and it makes no sense and then yeah the other doctor flies in he's like you just need to dot this I boom we're done yeah which for me is very problematic storytelling it's just like total deus ex machina storytelling uh yeah the, yeah, they, that's they, true. He was infected. He was infected. He was infected. Yeah, he's yeah. motivated, but I mean, yeah. Bashir was watching all of his friends uh, suffer from it, and himself. Bashir yeah. was infected. It makes it makes a little bit of sense. They try to wave it away. It's, it's, they do. Yeah, it's, it's a lot it's, of hand waving. Yeah, it's it's a classic Star Trek hand waving. They even use a, a throwaway line of dialogue of with the assistance of Bashir's notes. Right. Totally. <laughs> well, that's all it took. <laughs> they do a similar thing early in the episode when. Uh, um, uh, Lieutenant Belly Monsters 
uh, lab is like screaming, Wee! Right. And then O'Brien comes in to fix it, and he's like, "Did you try this?" She's like, "Yeah, I tried that." And he's like, "Oh, well, what about this? Oh, that was the other thing I tried. Oh, did you try and open this door and turn this knob? Oh no, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't turn that. I knew knob. all of the other things. Open this door and turn that knob. Yeah, there's done. there's so much techno babble hand waving yeah. in this episode. <laughs> Amanda says they clearly hadn't planned out the super smart version of him yet. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very true. It's, it's all backfilling. It's this kind of super stuff. obvious that they had no idea that they were going to do that with this character. I think that's season four when that reveal comes out. So yeah. spoiler alert. Oh, and all, I mean, already spoiled. But so much of this, like <laughs> Deep Space Nine, it all the episodic shows suffer from that thing of like, right. oh, now I've got a better idea. When right. you start to really look at all the stuff with Cisco and the Prophet, you're like, oh, they were just making it up. Totally. As they go, that's why shows like Lost piss me off because right. they are clearly not serialized. Right. Uh, I mean, clearly not episodic, and they still fuck it up because they don't know yeah. their end game. And it's interesting because Babylon 5 is a good example of something that has the reverse problem where it has planned it out, but <laughs> right. then like something happens with the actors and they have yeah. to fix it. They yeah, have to yeah, like yeah. adjust the plan <laughs> midstream. Yeah. So I mean, there's no like there's no perfect way to do this. There's no like like shows can never be real, you know, and well, you always have to fake it somehow. The 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 perfection of it right now exists in Shows that are based on existing source books. material. Yeah. That's so then true. Somebody yeah. who writes a book, guess what? People that write books follow narrative story arcs, and the ones that do it well are really popular. Right. So Game of Thrones is interesting because it's sort of like, okay, let's just hope he ends it well. <laughs> you right. know, that's you know, the show's getting ahead of him. Yeah, that's such a bizarre like example of that, where by the time the show's done, it will not be what how the books are going to finish because or close, they just walked away from it. You know, yeah. you know I don't know. It's like, a, it's a weird. It is a weird it's one. It's its own thing. I, I've read that George R. R. Martin gave them some rough notes about where he's going to go. Right. But he's probably going to change that a little bit because, like, as you write <laughs> something, you know, it kind of unfolds differently than well, yeah, your plan. And oftentimes, clearly follows every thread. It seems like I I, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to know what he's throwing away. I know when right? he's going to write these. 1,200-page books. Totally. Yeah, I've been uh, catching up on The Expanse recently, and that's, oh, that's another, another one, one yeah. yeah, where the source material is really, is, is like all fleshed out already, Right. and then the writers of the source material are in the writer's room right. and helping to flesh out where the show's gonna go, so it's like this perfect, it's this like this perfect uh, iteration of a story yeah. that has been workshopped, and like the, the kinks have been pulled out of it by the time it gets to screen. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. show is so good. Yeah. It is so good. I'm almost done with season two and I'm just like blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love the experience. I sadly don't know more about it, but it's one of those things that I'm like, yes, but it's going to be there waiting for me to right. really, you know, sink my teeth into. I, I saw someone that said derisively like, oh, but the trouble with the expanse books is that they're written with this intent. I guess the writers had said that they had wanted it to be, turned into something or option. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but it fucking works. It does work, yeah. I read the first book after I watched the first season, Mm. unknowing that the first book is actually the first two seasons. There's stuff from the second book in season two also, but but I really... I really like the show better. Like, I felt like the books were kind of mediocre, Mm -hmm. and the show is, like, exceptional. Yeah. And it just seems like... I, I don't know. They're actually written a lot like Game of Thrones. Like, the writers were uh, writing assistants to George R. R. Martin. Oh, uh, It's two guys who write under one pen name. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But, yeah, they were writer, writing assistants to George R. R. Martin. And right. it's actually 
formatted very similar to Game of Thrones, Absolutely. where it says like this this chapter is this character's perspective. Right, and, right. Let's start all these threads and let's weave yeah. them. And yeah, it's a, not a bad model, you know. Yeah, totally. But the weird thing is that book one only has like two or three characters that it follows the threads on. Hey, Team Aeon. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, Team Aeon's screen name. Uh, well, Team Aeon is like technically like Syl and Odogu, but Odogu is her screen name, as okay. in like Odogu. <laughs> Odogu. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Um, Amanda says the tech support 101. Have you tried turning it on and back off again? Totally. O'Brien, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's. Oh, and Nova, thank you, thank you, yes. So. This episode starts out with this amazing sequence of O'Brien fixing everything and getting right, surly, right, right. and it's so good. <laughs> and I just, like, it, uh, it, okay, this drove me absolutely bonkers. It starts out with, like, one of the first scenes is a whole bunch of people stuck in an airlock. Yeah. <laughs> in a universe in which transporting technology exists. We'll get to you. Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? If you were stuck in an airlock on a station you've never been to, and they're like, we can't get this door open, but like, hang on, <laughs> I do have a technology that lets me disassemble you and reassemble you out here. Should we try that? No! The if you can't make a fucking door work, I don't want to try your sparkly beam. Team Aeon says the transporters aren't working. I was that was that explicitly stated? No, I'm saying if you're in the airlock, why would you agree to be transported if they can't make their doors work? Because being stuck in an airlock is the most terrifying place to ever be stuck. I don't know. Because like O'Brien is trying to fix this thing on a whole station that's broken. I would not trust that dude for with my life, you know? Because like if he's trying to open this airlock and he like short circuits the wrong thing, it right. opens the backside and everyone's dead. Right, 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 right. My so. point is, my thought would be as a visiting alien, this asshole's probably in charge of the transporter stuff too. <laughs> and if you look at his record, you're like, hey, actually, he is. He used to run. Transporter. He ran the transporter room on the start. Stay away from those transporter buttons, human. Transporter room three, man. It was his favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I miss transporter room three. <laughs> I just could not figure out for the life of me why they were stuck in there. And it was really making me laugh. Like, why? It was like, why is it unsettling to me that people are stuck in an airlock? It doesn't It doesn't make sense to me. And then I remembered that transporters exist. Yeah. yeah. And then I wondered if the writers forgot that transporters oh, exist. You, so often it seems like, oh, they did forget or they just didn't, like, eh, it's fine. No one will notice. Yeah. I'm noticing. Yeah, that's true. A lot of stuff was not working. That's yeah. true, Team Aeon. <laughs> that's so true. Like, a lot of stuff was broken on the ship. <laughs> the writers get selective memory. Yeah, yeah. It's what I love about Star Trek is that it's the fans who more clearly than anyone who owns the content obsess over the canon and and the things like we're doing, but that's what I love to do, you know? Right. It's like a game. You set I know, up like, totally. this is the this is the reality, so how can you make this work within this reality? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean filling in headcanon is is yeah, very yeah, fun. Yeah. And I will say to Deep Space Nine's credit that it's relatively easy, usually, to fill in headcanon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you could very easily say the transporters are down. Yes. But but they have, like, shuttlecraft yeah. that aren't broken, yeah. that have transporters on them. Yeah. <laughs> so beam those fuckers off, dude! Beam, beam yeah. them out! <laughs> and this episode is just chock full of, like, no, wait, that, that wouldn't work that way, or why yeah. did they do that? But it's, yeah. again, this one you're just racing through the escalation of the problem. Those aren't working either. <laughs> Nothing is working. <gasps> All transporters are broken. Um, yeah, it, that totally drove me a little crazy. And also, it made me remember that I developed a fear of airlocks from this show as a child. <laughs> like, the first time I watched it. Especially because there's an episode coming up where, uh, with the Grand Nagus, where I think Quark gets 
like stuck in an airlock and threatened right. to have it blown open and I remember being you know what was I like 14 when this first aired and being terrified of airlocks <laughs> I just watched an episode of The Expanse like two days ago where people got put in an airlock and blown out into space and like sure. that is the most terrifying way to it's, die it's capital punishment it's what they do in like uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica right in the 100 you know that's just yeah it's like walking the plank in, yeah. in, in sci-fi Sci-Fi'sville. <laughs> I like. I mean, I made a good point about uh, why O'Brien. Someone had asked why O'Brien is the one who has to fix everything, and then Amanda's saying like, "That's wait in tech departments. That's what they do. Is they call the boss. Right. People never trust the you know low-level employees, or if something takes too long. They're like, I'm going to call your supervisor. Right. But then his supervisor is only concerned about his coffee, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and also, Benjamin Sisko does not know how to drink hot things. Yeah, he just yeah. doesn't know how. Yeah. What's up, James? And <laughs> you I didn't love watch a bunch. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. The political storylines I did not understand as a kid, and now I like I love it. Yeah, but yeah. I did not get it as a kid. I stopped watching as a kid and came back to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't seem to know how to drink coffee. It's, it's one of Avery Brooks's, I think, moments of like, oh, your style of acting here, it didn't work. He didn't, the, the, <laughs> ow! Yeah, he's like, oh, ow! O'Brien! <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so fun, and I don't, so what do you think he's experiencing? I Is it too know. hot? Is it not coffee? Does Is it, it taste not, like something else? Right. They don't, they don't, like, explain it. He had that in his own mind. Yet, yeah. in this very same episode, he has the exact opposite, where he has the, the moment with uh, Jake, when Jake is under the spell of the, you know, yeah. magic talking thing. Yeah. And he does this thing where he comes up to him and he just bumps him at first. And it's yeah. so sweet and endearing. It's, it's such a so good. It's such a real perfect moment. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked before about what a tactile yeah, actor the, he is. Yeah, the physical act. I, yeah, yeah. I, so in the Memory Alpha article about that episode, uh, it actually, there was a quote from, from uh, someone who worked on the production who said that, uh, what's Avery Brooks actually, <laughs> like, specifically brought that to the character yes. in this episode in particular he like decided I want to have a physical relationship with my on-screen son and right. he brought that to the role right and it's so interesting I mean I, I feel like both of those actors like Sirik Lofton as well is so good at receiving that yeah, yeah. physical attention it makes it look like real parental real father son yeah and then totally. when Sirik when does because sometimes he like he does bristle at it, which is what you would do as a teenager when totally. your dad is trying to touch yeah. you and say, like, hey, dad, I love you. No, dad. Ugh. Yeah. But in dad this case, like, when he's sick and he's scared, he, like, really sold that yeah. really well. Yeah. It's it's, it's what's wonderful because you get to see the extreme ends of when Avery Brooks stuff, like, pays off big time. Right. And then it's just, like, a hot coffee moment. <laughs> yeah, and he has two of them. He has a hot coffee <laughs> moment in the beginning they and at the end. The they whole episode, the episode with, with his worst acting. Oh, Brian's. <laughs> yeah. But I, I so I want to know what it was in his coffee. I mean, someone said they thought it was Earl Grey, which team I think A. is really funny. Was that keep, Team Aeon that said that? I keep thinking, yeah. I, I lost it in the chat already. Um, fajitas? <laughs> Where are my fajitas? Do you think it was fajitas in his coffee? <laughs> it was fajita-flavored coffee. <laughs> it was Team Aeon, okay. Ugh. Yeah. It's a good thing, though, that like Cisco then didn't grab O'Brien and be like, you think this tastes like coffee? You think this tastes like coffee? <laughs> and like, sh like shoveled it into his mouth with the spoon. That was like abuse. <laughs> yes. That scene where... Oh man, we got so there's so much to talk about with Quark in this episode because, okay, let's start there because it's um, it's so fucking disturbing to watch Quark have force -fed. like gross soup force fed into his mouth. Tholian stew. Was it this tastes like Tholian stew? And Quark. also that alien actor was terrible. Well, that, yeah, he, that background guy was terrible. I've said it before is that when you play these sort of like one off aliens, you, I think hamming it up. 
unless you have a three dimensional or even a two dimensional character. Yeah. You know, go for the go go for the go for broke. What's the backboard? Go as high as you can. Yeah. And this guy does it. He still misses. You know. (laughs) Yeah, he shoots and misses. Uh, James says, almost got the whole series from Walmart a few years ago, but didn't have the money at the time. Mm. Oh, man, I remember buying DVDs of shows. I Like, Costco had uh, Smallville for, like, 14 bucks a season. Mm. So I started buying that and totally fell in love with it. But I do not miss those days, because, like, now yeah. I just have everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I just have everything. I don't have to own shit. There's no, like, existential, like, should I pay this much for a right. TV show? I'm so glad that's gone. But yeah, Smallville. I never finished Smallville. I so after after Lex left the show after season seven, it just took like such a dive. Um, yeah, and I just like couldn't handle it. Amanda, can I make you a mod? I'm like doing all this modding, and I'd love to make you a mod. I'm just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you've been you've been. Uh, what? No! No! <laughs> no, okay. Okay, I'll take it away. You don't have to you don't have to be a mod. I don't it's not it's not no pressure. It's it's similar to when Riker was given Q powers. <laughs> you can choose not to yeah, use them. Totally. Or you can let yourself be very corrupt. Oh, finish Smallville is the what? Oh. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, gotcha. No, okay. I, Amanda, you've been you've been like such an awesome stream team person I've been thinking about you for a while despite so. your opinions about Discovery yeah I've just been kind of waiting for a moment when wait oh no she's right <laughs> about Discovery <laughs> I've just been waiting for a moment when there was no mods and I needed a mod and it's happening like that that's when I make new mods and, and you're, you're promoted officially Boom. so I will add you on the, the Discord mod channel congratulations uh, Odogu says am I the only one who remembers buying series by episode on VHS Oof, I yeah. I didn't buy Deep Space Nine on VHS, but I did. I did record it on VHS. Mm-hmm. I did like set a timer because it was on. I think Spike TV every day <laughs> and in the afternoon. And if I couldn't watch it live, I'd set a timer. And it was a giant box full of Deep Space Nine uh, VHS. I think I told this story in the first episode, but uh, I'm telling it again because sure. I love it. So I was streaming works. I was dating this girl who was awesome, and I went to Europe during the time that I was doing this watch through, and she taped every episode while I was gone uh. for me. So I could keep watching it. It was it was very exciting. Yeah, we get it. You went to Europe, quit bragging. I know. I'm fucking <laughs> pretentious piece of shit. I never taped Star Trek. I taped um, uh, Mystery Science Theater. I would tape that. Oh, cool. And then like you know archival tape it, um, and then uh, bought VHSs of those. That was the one show that I really VHS time got into. Nice. Um, okay, so Cork being. Force-fed soup. <laughs> I forgot that's uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> reminds me of like the other thing that really stuck out to me about this episode is that like what is the morality of selling replicated food? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is what is the situation happening there? Because it becomes clear that oh my like, button pushing finger is what? Yes. If I give you some gold press latinum, will you push the button for me? And then like why uh, people are all upset about how good the soup is, but it's just replicated. So right. I don't know, like, what's happening there? They have replicators in crew quarters. Right. They rent out quarters to people, I think, so you can make food. I don't know. And then there's no money in Starfleet, so... But it's a Bajoran station, so... And there's all these shops on the promenade that sell things. Right, that you could replicate. Yeah, so what's happening? They just... Well, (laughs) this is is one of those, like, I think, along with the Universal Translator, it's a... Which also is a huge question mark hovering over this episode. Absolutely. And the next one, too. And the next one, yeah. Yeah. Replicators just are a thing that you like, eh, you wave your hand. You don't wonder why this commerce still exists in a world 
with replicators. Or you try to justify it like, oh, but maybe everyone doesn't have access to them even though you just see people casually using them everywhere. Totally. They, and they have, like, the Replimart, which sounds like... Uh, the Replimat? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I like Replimart better. Oh, is it Replimat? Yeah. Replimart. Replimart is where you go to buy a replicator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Super Hamster's here. What's up, dude? Welcome. Uh, yeah, so I, I am unclear about how, how it works to have a Federation-run station right. with money. With Because money. money doesn't exist in the Federation. Right. But, I mean, obviously, like, Gold Press Latinum is kind of the, the currency right. that's used. At least Ferengi. Yeah. It's a good assumption is that the Ferengi... That's like the American dollar being used in other countries. Right. You know, Slips, the Ferengi strips, bars, Latinum. and bricks. Yeah. <laughs> but then, is Latinum, is Latinum a mineral that is natural to Ferenginar? Oh. Or is it, like, oh, right, something right. that's mined from asteroids right. that are common throughout the galaxy? Like, what the fuck is it? Where does it come from? And why do... I mean, the Duras sisters were, like, trying to, like, sell... What's his name right, for right, like eighteen kilograms of gold press latinum? You know, <laughs> like so the the Klingons obviously use it, and yep. I, there's a lot that doesn't make sense. Is yes. what I'm trying to say, and I'd like it to be explained because I am I just love that type of shit, and yeah. I want it. Yeah, I want I, I'm with you. I, I, I at least feel like it was more thought out. Yeah. But I I love the subplot of Quark like stealing replicated food. I just think it is so funny. I, so my okay, my head canon for this is that Quark has a replicator, obviously in the right, bar, right? Which seems like bullshit to me because like Guinan, like well, I mean Guinan had replicators, but she also had like all of this real right stuff from around the galaxy that was so cool. You know, but Quark has that too because you can see it behind the bar. Right, he they shows bottles and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I guess he has both. Uh, so we maybe know that. The, maybe the replicated food is for suckers. <laughs> Probably. It's like rubes who come in who don't even know about replicators. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> so oh, yeah. they kept saying that like on the command level was where the replicators were. Right. The command level replicators are the ones that were passing around the aphasia virus because... Uh, because uh, Miles O'Brien did something that sure. triggered this <laughs> aphasia virus sleeper device. Which, what the fuck is that? Like, there's a device waiting to inject right. an aphasia virus planted by Bajoran terrorists yeah. to terrorize Cardassians? <laughs> what plan is this? Like, what? who made this plan? <laughs> if you think about this plan from the point of view of an oppressed people right. trying to, like, save themselves, it's like the let's one make them talk funny. <laughs> 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 the one guy who has the skills to build this, and he's like, yeah, and I'm going to make them all, like, forget words. And then his supervisor, like, why don't we just kill them? No, 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 no. Let us drive them a little crazy first. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Fine, give him the talky thing, but just no more than 12 hours. <laughs> uh, CT man, thank you so much for stopping by. Trilithium by the Ferengi also. No, oh, really? Up later. I don't remember that. Neelix was at least a real cook. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I love... I, well, Cisco's a real cook. And, and you know, uh, Riker can make eggs that only Worf likes. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, oh. How did that activate? What did O'Brien do? Uh, he clicked OK too many times. Also, apparently Cardassian replicators, to fix them, you slide underneath them, <laughs> which seems like ridiculous like you get on like one of those little especially slidey things broad-shouldered people yeah how did how did cardassians even fit in the, i That's, will say that the the jeffrey's tube looking things do seem wider than the human ones though yeah, yeah which yeah. i like that's fair star wars or star trek shit mm, well on this That's, podcast it doesn't matter yeah we're we're both I'm, we're both wearing star wars clothes on a star trek podcast <laughs> if that gives you any idea both Worf loves ruined food, though. Yeah. And prune juice. And prune juice. <laughs> yeah. Which is how he flushes out all that ruined 
Klingons need a really strong diuretic. Oh, bye, uh, Anon, Aeon, <laughs> Team Aeon. They said that to run off to work. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Always good to see you. You um, might have already said goodbye and I didn't hear it. I did, but okay. that's fine. I am not paying attention. <laughs> so, I love... I love that whole plot of, like, Quark mm-hmm. dealing with the replicators yes. because it just made me feel like... All, it actually kind of worked for me that he was selling replicated food because right. he will sell whatever he can as cheaply as possible. Yeah. <laughs> but does, do you think that in a system where you have replicators but you have money, do you have to, like, pay for the energy to convert energy to matter? Probably, Is there, like, a, yeah. like, a, like, a, like an electrical bill or something that Quark <laughs> is paying? Right. To the Bajorans. With the, Maybe with the Federation administering it, but yeah, like then there's docking fees, you know. Right. It's it gets right. yeah. They are collecting. I guess they are collecting. I really want to really want to know what the financial situation <laughs> on Deep Space Nine is. That like means a lot to me. There's got to really be someone who's like an economist and like a super Star Trek. Uh, uh, oh, Treconomics. There's a book called Treconomics. Oh, okay. I wonder if that includes this information. They better have an update for TS9. Yeah, if they don't, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> but then it also leads to this other amazing moment where, which which brought up so many more questions for me, where Quark goes to like the abandoned crew quarters of someone right. who's got the aphasia virus uh-huh. to get food out of the replicator uh-huh. and he rolls in a rolling cart he brings in a rolling cart <laughs> with wheels with him with wheels, with wheels. <laughs> that is Odo that is Odo it like turns into Odo like a second later uh, every episode they have Odo turning into something totally random and totally different but I'm literally like that cart is Odo you know yeah. I didn't even, I didn't remember that but I just knew it because I could smell it I'm yeah. like that cart is Odo <laughs> and I checked there's enough space to hide a comm badge yeah. In there, so he could still be holding that. Yeah, he, uh, there's a com badge inside of this cart somewhere. The weirdest part of that cart also had a glass panel. Like, Did it? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, on this rewatch, I'm trying to obsessively hone in on the, the boundaries of Odo's <laughs> nearly infinite magical power. Except of, for noses. <laughs> except for noses, yeah. And foreheads. Because the shapeshifting stuff, again, people want to complain about Discovery... But Odo's shapeshifting power on the mushroom scale is like oh, push yeah. an eight. Oh yeah, it's a hard eight. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and glass panel that is an eight point yeah. one. Yeah, don't, totally super hamster exactly. <laughs> um, but I so what happened in what happened in the ten minutes prior to that? Because I think what happened is that Odo, uh, Quark thinks to himself, "Well, I need to move food around. Yeah. I need a cart. Right? Oh, look, here's a cart." <laughs> I needed a cart, and they here's a cart. I'm going to use this cart that just appears out of nowhere. It, like, what is he on, Farpoint Station? And what he wants <laughs> just, like, pops into existence? Uh, that that made so little sense. Like, was there another cart that, that Odo switched out? Yep. So I, that's what I'm thinking is that... He, like, a, walks in with a phaser right. and disintegrates Clark's <laughs> cart. <laughs> that's great, because I was just thinking, how, how did he get rid of the cart? I could see Odo just like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that made... Very little sense, but delighted me to know it. Delighted me that at some point before that, Odo had switched with a cart. There's, there's one coming up that's even better in the next episode. Uh, I don't know oh, when okay. it comes up, but there's one. It's one of my. It's the first uh, shapeshifting thing Odo did on my first watch through DS9. Like I know for whatever reason the cart didn't stand out to me, but there's this one that makes me, that made me just yell "What the fuck" at the screen, <laughs> and it's not the weirdest. It's I think at least the second or third weirdest. What, spoil it. What is it? The, the, I have to know. Oh, when he turns into a glass and somebody throws it and it and shatters. And it breaks. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. The weirdest, we'll just jump to it now, is when he makes himself later 
much later, a cup of Ractagino and then drinks it. He makes himself a cup that he drinks? That he's holding and drinking so he could experience consuming oh, right. liquids. That's fucking insane. Whoever wrote that episode is a lunatic and should be on a yeah. watch list. Was it hot? It, can he, can I, he make himself hot liquid? We'll, we'll, we'll have to have a two-parter just to talk about that shape-shifting power. <laughs> All right. What about Quark in Command? I know I loved that. Yeah. Like, towards the end, when, <laughs> ah. all, when pretty much everyone becomes aphasic except for Quark and Odo. And watching them have to work together to save the ship is fantastic. Yes. And I, I love the scene where he's like, oh, well, I'll beam you there. Yeah, he's like, I have to get down to the docking ring before this ship explodes. It's trying to pull away. I have to manually release the docking clamps. He's like, well, I'll beam you there. I was I was like a Ferengi. I was on a Ferengi, what did he say, ship for eight years or yeah, something? He used to be a scientist. He actually encountered the Enterprise. Uh, when they oh, down right, with the a Ferengi, different name in the, the Ferengi f- science team. In like episode five of yeah. Next Generation, he like the same actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to go back one. Amanda made the th- uh, a point about the cart. Quark says, ah, I thought the wheel was a little sticky or whatever when he turns into Odo. The cart turns into Odo. Oh, yeah. She's saying that's where the combat was. In the sticky wheel? <laughs> yeah, that's why it was... That's excellent. That's solid head cannon. Yeah, so, but, okay. How does he make a wheel turn? Because, like, when How you- does he turn into glass? How yeah. does he... Because, <laughs> like, turning wheels are not physically... <laughs> like attached, they are like on a on a He's on a bearing bolt. or something. Like, yeah. what is he doing? I don't I don't understand. Yeah, this is like I'm willing to just wave away the mass issue of like how does he just get rid of or add extra mass? Who yeah. cares? Let's get into these things. Yeah, that I I'm Ugh. I need to know. I yeah. need to know. <laughs> and he has uh, DNA. That's another one that's still wrapping yeah. my head around. I that transporter thing with Quark. I was actually like really happy with how fast. Quark was able to tra- like work the controls because Odo's already standing on the transporter platform mm-hmm. and Quark's like, well, I'm sure I can figure this out. Right. And Quark, or Odo doesn't quite have time to get off of the transporter pad, which is what I would have done immediately, just like run <laughs> off of the transporter pad. Uh, but Quark like knows what he's doing and does it really quickly. Yeah. Quark, Quark actually had a really great performance in this episode. Yeah. Like when, when he's being accosted to drink soup and <laughs> like when he... Like sees opportunities to oh man when he sees the opportunity to like steal replicated food and you can right. just see him like the greed in his eyes it's yeah. so good hey what's up John he can compact his mass and he can have the wheel glide onto liquid giving it the illusion okay yeah you can't solved comp- it I, how, how, solved it how does he get rid of his extra mass he compacts it that's not an answer I'm I'm fine with it <laughs> I, uh, how does he get extra mass he borrows it. Yeah. Mm, hand waving. Like how much how I'll bet that the amount of mass that he actually is is actually like really small and that like he's just kind of stretchy and he can stretch out into something larger. Well, then maybe I'm thinking density. They the, the, it's the weight issue where sometimes he weighs nothing and other times he they specifically mention how heavy he is. You don't know what he weighs. Stop <laughs> judging him. I'm going by <laughs> the dialogue in the show. There's literally a point where he's inside of a bucket or whatever. Yeah. So he picks it up, they're like, oh, this is heavy. Okay. So, we'll watch for that. Yeah. When he turns into a frog, he expands his volume and then John says he changes his density. All right. We're getting into a deep rabbit hole. Here. I want to go in it. <laughs> uh, like most humans, he's mostly liquid, just solid on the surface. A fog, not frog. Okay. That <laughs> it's a very different thing to turn into. Yeah. Um, but I didn't question frog for a second. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he turned into a frog. We've already <laughs> seen him happen. turn into a rat. Like an earth rat. Why did he turn into an earth rat? That doesn't make sense. Maybe the, maybe earth rats and Kardashian rats look the same. Have you 
have you ever noticed how they did it again in this episode like whatever that soup was it's like deruvian soup or stew or whatever Tholian. it's like fake word real word <laughs> they always do that like fake word real word yeah. it always happens like every episode <laughs> he can alter density as well density is everything i don't understand science so i don't I don't think you can... Alter- Colleen, Colleen Stu? That's, I knew a girl named Colleen. Colleen Stu. That sounds... Well, it's replicated, so I guess it's humane. <laughs> so... This episode just has a lot of little... This is overall... This is my issue with the episode, is that there's a great premise, and then there's all these little weird things that... Ha- like, any part of this episode that you start to think about just spirals yeah, off into weird things. It's filled. Yeah, it's absolutely. a mind trap. Absolutely. There's other episodes you're like, oh, all this is pretty solid. This is this, like delicate fragile thing that they didn't finish building like here <laughs> just look at it don't touch it yeah, oh, God. if you touch it it will shatter yeah uh, yeah and it's 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 a little frustrating because the aphasia storyline is great like a virus spreading throughout yeah, the ship that exactly. makes everybody lose right. their ability to communicate but like the the interesting way to do that is to keep them at their posts and not be able to communicate with each other and be like screaming at each other and nonsense the whole time. Just court- why didn't they make that episode? They were so close. It would have been so much better. What's well, up, just, quite the snapper? Good to see you. Let's just put everyone in a box. They can't. Yeah, suck. just throw them into like one fucking room and leave them alone. Like I, I hated that because then it just became like waiting for who's aphasic next. Yeah, and then it. Well, of course, the captain is like, well, commander is one of the last to become afflicted. It turned into like uh, the naked now, the naked time, like those. It's it's like almost the exact same yeah, plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. is so funny because they did that in the first, or they did that in the beginning of TNG. TNG. Like the they did it in the episode. original series. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah, I'm so glad you can make Star a line for this. Going back That's to the awesome. same well over and over again. <laughs> yeah, where like everyone gets a virus that uh, that makes them act crazy and then removes them from active duty right right and it it's like almost the same exact plot re rehash for the third time on the third iteration of star trek mm-hmm. uh like where, where everyone becomes drunk on tng in the original series there's that virus that makes them drunk and they have to figure it out <laughs> yeah this was almost the exact same storyline and it really didn't need to be like it, it would have been so much improved if they had just kept everyone aphasic and working at their posts yeah i thought that would have been so much more interesting super hamster gaming Superhamster Gaming did yeah. the virus effect both of Dax's brains? I think that's an interesting question. I think absolutely. Ass- then, assuredly it did. Right, because then, so then Jadzia would be having a hard time communicating, and then... With her symbiont. Right, so then, like, <laughs> so I, she's I like, would imagine, yeah, she's having thoughts that are also hard to understand. That's also a more interesting story. Yeah. Like, oh my god, if I were writing this, I would have had the first person to become aphasic be her symbiont. Not Jadzia, and she's like, my symbiont is speaking madness right, to me, right. and I hearing, can't understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be, and then she starts to do it also. Yeah. Although that would rob us of O'Brien being the first one. Yeah. And he wins for aphasic acting yeah. because <laughs> his his transcend or transcend descent his descent. What's the other trans word I'm trying to think of? Transcendent. No. Transverse is transportation transporter. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm wrong. His descent into aphasia is so realistic. Yeah, it's so well acted. It's kind of astonishing. Like you, he's the one person where you can really hear his thoughts and you can almost understand him. Which makes me so sad that they didn't just do the whole episode that way because that that to me was really good writing. I see why they didn't because no one else was really able to pull it off. Like yeah. all the other actors speaking this nonsense gibberish, I didn't believe anyone else. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah, I mean, they sounded like they're just reciting. Yeah, even Avery Brooks, like his like delivery of the aphasia did not quite work for me. And also, he was the only person to get sick before he got aphasic. Like he was physically ill. I wondered Ill first. about that. Where they're trying to show like he's holding out, or I don't know. Then I was just like, eh, it doesn't matter. They're just yeah. It's it almost matter. they forgot how their virus worked towards the end. They they actually said at one point it has a different like what what's not digestion period ingestion uh, incubation incubation thank you. I can't do <laughs> words today it has a different incubation period for everybody so like that was that was the ultimate hand wave is like this virus works differently for everyone that contracts it <laughs> and it doesn't make sense and then of course people start dying well not dying but like getting sick halfway through. And that's also like such a trope, like this virus that does this crazy thing to people they need becomes to deadly eventually. Yeah, yeah. But then I, also, like I knew they weren't going to kill anyone because O'Brien was the first one sick, so it just right. They're not going to kill O'Brien, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot of a lot of weak points. I mean, great premise, great premise, great premise. Yeah, they did not they did not flesh out the premise to my satisfaction personally, but I love the premise. Congratulations to Quite the Snapper who made it to catch a live episode. Yeah, uh, let's see. Amanda says they focus on O'Brien early mm-hmm. a lot. They're still trying to win over TNG viewers. I totally agree. Yeah. So much of Deep Space Nine is this like O'Brien, 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 Worf, 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 Worf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I, I do. I don't know. I mean, O'Brien is also just like one of the most enjoyable characters. Like he's yeah. such a good actor. He's supposed to be like the, the human every man. Every man. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and he does such a good job of it. I, if if I were writing that show, I could I would want to write O'Brien episodes all the time. Yeah, the sad part about O'Brien is that they had a great opportunity to have a very interesting uh, um, relationship story going on with him and Keiko. Yeah, it's similar to what they I think they do successfully with uh, uh, Jake and. Um, Cisco. Yeah. It's weird to say Jake and Cisco because they're both with, Cisco. Yeah, Ben and Jake. Yeah, Ben and Jake. As I like to call them, Bake. Because uh, that's a good relationship, and that shows an interesting family dynamic in a Star Trek setting. Right. And then the Keiko O'Brien thing is just—it's just hack bullshit. And even in this one, there's the past couple episodes, Keiko gets mentioned it, uh, in side dialogue a lot, and it's always like, "Is she still nagging at you, O'Brien?" Yeah, because she just doesn't want to be there. That's like, but she—I mean, her teacher storyline is really nice, but her like nagging O'Brien about not wanting to be there. Yeah feels a little a little strange I don't know it, it also feels like it could real be real yeah like, uh, I but, don't, I, but the way that it's told and like the lack of her perspective makes it a little frustrating uh, yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's, because, and, and yeah. the way other characters talk about it unquestioned is another thing that's just like right eh. and we don't really hear much from her about not wanting to be there we hear it from a lot of other characters yeah like we hear a little bit from her in that one episode but but everyone is it. needling him it's like is your wife still busting your nuts yeah it's you know uh they're they're half away from making the whip sound at O'Brien all the time. Yeah, the way that O'Brien interacts with wim- the women of the galaxy, including his wife, is very <laughs> questionable. Yeah, um, quite the snapper agrees. Hack bullshit. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but I still love Star Trek, even though yeah. they do have a tendency to do this. They're Definitely. getting better. Watch Discovery. First best first thirteen episodes of any Star Trek series. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Telling you. Discovery's still better. I mean, no. I like some of these episodes here, but... I think we're already way better. Deep Space Nine is already so much better than Discovery. No, already. No. Already. <laughs> no, 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 no. Far better. Far no, better. No. It's got too many... Mm. <laughs> 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 I'd have to, like... I'd have to rewatch Discovery to pull apart everything we'll get there. I hit. We're, we're going to circle all the way around. We're starting at Deep Space Nine. I, I do hope we get there, but I don't want to watch it again. I'm looking forward to getting to Below Decks. 
Below decks, yeah, lower decks, lower, <laughs> lower decks. decks. Oh, we gotta talk about this. So this was just announced like two days ago that they are making an adult animated cartoon mm-hmm. Star Trek show called Lower Decks. Comedy. Comedy show for CBS All Access. Like, what? Mm-hmm. That is... It's brilliant. Bizarre. It, it's just such a good... It's what I, It's something I've been saying to anyone who would care to listen, but <laughs> at the time I was thinking about Star Wars, that as a franchise, yeah. that they had a lot of opportunity to make a variety of things with their properties, and that... Because they did show more willingness to kind of do different things, but... You know why not just even something that's like a straight romantic comedy or yeah. or uh, or uh, like this a, a comedic show? It doesn't always have to be uh, action adventure right. genre. I always thought it'd be cool to do a Starfleet medical show. Yeah, that's like <laughs> yeah, like house. an ER drama. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like a, a medical drama. Space doctors. Yeah. yeah, the perfect. It would be great. Yeah, I. But it's so fun. I was listening to a podcast with Matt Myra, and he specifically said like that's the worst idea. Like not having heard it from me, obviously, uh, but just like they could do other. They were talking about doing like how Star Trek is basically a procedural. You know, it's a procedural yeah. show, and like what other types of procedurals could you do with Star Trek? And someone said like a medical drama, and he's like that would be the absolute worst show ever because it would all be made up bullshit every week like solving a made up bullshit problem mm, yeah very much unlike the majority of TNG right totally it's all made up bullshit problems but <laughs> yes. like learning how to solve them in a way that fits within the prime directive and within Starfleet values and Federation values yeah. is what makes it great it's, it's I feel like to reject a premise wholeheartedly like that just shows a lack of imagination it comes down to the writing it comes down to the implementation of it yeah uh, John says they're trying to compete with Orville I think that they did see that like Orville is doing really well, and Orville is still feel it still feels like Star Trek, even though it's funny, so that it can be done, you know. Yeah, I um, don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think that the Orville is. It, it sounds to me like they were planning on doing more with the franchise right. if Discovery did well. True, you know, yeah. and then the, from what I had seen, they were at least saying that the numbers were high enough. So then I think that is when they're like, oh, let's do all this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, now, like, the floodgates are open. They're doing these short treks. They're doing the Captain Picard show. They're doing this animated show. They've already signed up for two years of the animated show. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm still... I I, I don't know. Because I don't like Discovery almost (laughs) at all, I'm I'm still, like, super nervous about the rest of these shows. (laughs) Yeah, if if season two of Discovery is good, I will be, like, overjoyed. What's going to happen is if they let it get to the six or seven seasons, you're just going to be like, dude, you were 100% right. Yeah, I still hate that first 13 episodes, and I'll be like, just like TNG, and you'll be like, yeah, just like those first 13 stinkers in TNG, and they'll be high-fiving at how awesome Star Trek is. I Even in the first 13 of TNG, or even the whole first season of, mm-hmm. I think it's 26 episodes, there are, like, gems, you know? There's sure. Like, I mean, where, where no man has gone before, sure. or where no one has gone before is <laughs> a total gem. I love that episode. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Code of Honor. <laughs> Code of Honor is maybe the worst. <laughs> it's one of, like one of the worst things made. Yeah, I was I was uh, thumbing through Netflix the other day, and when I went to TNG, you know how it like shows clips of an episode. Right, right, it right. shows Code of Honor, Why? and they I was like, "This is the worst." They try to scare people, and up. it was like the moment where Lutan arrives uh, with his oh, delegation. Oh, he kicks open the kicks the carpet. Oh my god! I'm like, uh, this. No yeah. one will watch this. No yeah, one would see, watch this. And show. to me, that is like. Yeah, Discovery has some episodes that are like, eh, but none of them are like that. And TNG goes oh, on Oh, I think become... episodes of Discovery are far worse than that. Oh, I can't wait till we get there. Uh, far worse. For me, like, Discovery suffers from a complete lack of, of like, uh, I'm laughing at how I a always, writing center I and a moral center. I know. 
I know it's awful. It's, but lower decks. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm baiting the hook like every I'm, time we get yeah. together. <laughs> I'm cautiously excited about lower decks. They name it after one of my favorite episodes ever of TNG. Oh, Seven Degrees Off Cool says favorite TNG episodes: Lessons and the Chase. I remember the Chase. The Chase is awesome. That's the one where they like discover the proto species that all species are like from. Uh. Uh, what is Lessons? I don't remember Lessons. Quite the snapper. TNG is your favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite also for sure. For sure. People are getting some lag. I'm actually not seeing any lag on my side, so it might be YouTube or your internet or something. It doesn't seem to be uh, the stream itself, which is nice for once. <laughs> See you in a moment, Amanda. Yeah, what happened in Lessons? I don't remember. Lessons. Uh, I don't remember the titles yeah, that well. I, I'm, I'm like slightly dubious about how a, an animated comedy show is going to fit inside of the Star Trek oh, canon. I, that's what I love about it is that it's going to make the canon discussions like. Oh my Star God. Trek is going to have to hit this point where they're going to be like, okay, I guess we're Doctor Who, or they're going to be like, no, we all of this forced into the canon, or people who get in their heads obsessed about canon will be like. Animation doesn't count. Right. So, like, TAS and then... TAS, absolutely. What is this, BD, Below Decks? You know, TAS is is not a good show. I watched it. (laughs) Uh, There was a couple of good episodes in it that I really enjoyed, but for the most part, it's kind of a slog. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Time Zero, that's right. The two-part episode where they find Data's head in San Francisco. That is Time Zero. That's one of my favorites. I love that. It's so good. Lessons is the one where... Darren, oh my god. I love that episode. The piano scene in the Jeffrey's Tube. Yeah, dude, seven degrees. That, good choice. That is a really good episode. Yeah, and all these things, they had to get through 24 kind of stinkers with some gems. Yeah. This is my point. I'm telling you, Discovery, it's gonna, people are gonna uh, come around. I feel like there was only maybe three or four good episodes in the 13 of That's Discovery. a pretty good ratio compared to the first 13 in TNG, I would say. Uh, I'd have to do some math to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to, like, sit down with a pen and paper. We will. We're going to circle back. We'll, we have to do it. Gonna... We should. Yeah, um, yeah because if we're going to go through this rating system, then we can, like, rate Discovery, and I can, I can really stick it to it. Um, yeah. But I, I, am, I am honestly, like, pretty excited. I'm just so nervous about CBS All Access Star Trek shows because I, I don't trust them yet. I mean... And why should you? They've made yeah, Star why should Trek. I? But, but I will say that the... So... Discovery's first season, like, the first episode was written by, uh, Brian... What's his name? Is it Brian? Fuller? Fuller, thank you. Yeah, Brian Fuller, and then he left the show to work on American Gods, and then, uh, Gretchen Halberts and Aaron... Aaron... Aaron Halberts and Gretchen Berg took over as showrunners. Uh, and I think they are the trash fire that is season one of of that show. Because, like, when they were on After Trek talking about the decisions they made, all their reasons were awful. And After Trek made me like that show less, just, yeah. like, hearing them talk about it. And also, I mean, Matt Myra hosts that. He's a great, one of my favorite podcasters, but I think, like, a terrible host. I, I have to sorry. say it out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope sorry, he gets man. better. I'm, I'm actually really in his corner. I really, I really love his Star Trek podcasts uh, that I listen to. And his, like, you know, Frasier podcasts. And I, I listen to a couple of his. And I really like him, but I, After Trek to me was garbage, and and I like I think I didn't even finish watching it because I was so frustrated by it. I never watched um, it. I tend to like I don't watch the coming up next or the whatever. Right. I don't watch the 
talk stuff. I just watched the show. I just hated listening to them excuse things and like talk about how th- what they were doing was brilliant when it's stuff that I just really didn't uh, like. Fair. But but those two showrunners are gone. Like they are off the show. They were right. fired for being emotionally abusive to the staff mm. uh, and to me personally <laughs> with the for show that I hated. Childhood. Uh, and we have like new showrunners coming up next season. And the guy. Um, who's like executive producing all of this is now working directly in the writer's room as oh, the showrunner nice. along with someone else. Uh, what is he, what is his name? Alex. Alex Kurtzman. Yeah. And he worked on the movies and the movies I think are decent. Like not, not my favorite, but I really like them. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little more, I'm a little more optimistic about season two of discovery and now a little more optimistic about lower decks because it's such an interesting premise and I love the Robot Chicken Star Wars stuff mm. and I always wanted like like you were saying like a comedy show in the Star Wars universe never really thought about getting one in the Star Trek universe it never seemed like a right, right. possibility and now that it's happening I'm like okay For I'm open years, I'm I open had, to it I had talked to uh, uh, and I'm not trying to say like I had this idea for anyone else it's a I think a easy place to get to but I had talked a lot about uh, to many people just this is what I want to do TNG uh, where there's a parallel show for every episode where you start off with like some family that's on the ship and mm. then each each episode of this parallel uh, show is what is happening to uh, these people when all this other big stuff yes. and so you get like you would leave little hints about it or little and sometimes it would be hugely important other times it would be like nothing and you can use no like effect. CG to insert Insert, insert. You could like insert shots from the original show, and you know, yeah, just have just them in different places on the ship. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I think that's yeah. so cool. So this is what I like about the promise of Below Deck because it sounds like, oh, I'm going to get to watch this a version of the show that I had fantasized about for a long. What time. What if that's what they do? What if that's what they? What if it takes place on the Enterprise? I think it's going to be its own be thing. So the cool. thing I read about it said something about the least important ship in Starfleet. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is yeah, then it's like, close to like our, our Flight Space 7 of like where we have like, yeah. you know, the ship of fuck-ups in I love that. the Space Federation. If you like sci-fi parody, though, and specifically Star Trek parody, watch Other Space. That's, I haven't watched that yet. Oh, it's Other Spaces. It's like on... <laughs> that's what I said for Yahoo. We do TV now, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know if they still do it, but that was Paul Feig and... Oh. Like six episodes and it's great. It's so good. It's way better than Orville. Yeah, Amanda's back and she's like, "We fell so far off track." Yeah, <laughs> we absolutely did. Um, yeah. Was there anything else in this particular? There's a couple more things I wanted to touch on. John says every episode of Discovery with a Klingon in it is bad because they made them purple lizards. <laughs> absolutely, they look so silly. No Klingons have always looked that way. I mean, it's not that they. It's not that they look silly, it's that they look like a different species. And now, have you heard about how they're adding hair back for season two of Discovery? I've seen the pictures, yeah. And have you heard the the in-canon reason, like the canon universe reason they're doing it? They shave them for war? Yeah, it's ridiculous! And then, like, they already have an answer to the question of why don't they do that in the future, and the answer is because, like, Takuvma's predictions of how Klingon ways were going to be diluted by contact with humans have come true, so they no longer follow all of the old ways. And it's like, come on. Like, you've... You are retconning, and you are then retconning your retconning mm-hmm. to prepare for the fan backlash. It's like, mm-hmm. just just don't do that. Just don't write that. Don't change, <laughs> don't change the whole look of a species just to hide an actor in makeup so you can do a switcheroo that is going to suck anyway. I don't know. It drove me crazy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Dr. Pulaski isn't in this Parallels show. <laughs> just to make sure she's... I like Dr. Pulaski. Yeah, but she's another one. She didn't do anything wrong. You know, Gates McFadden got uh, harassed by right. someone on the production staff, and so she Oh, did left. she? That's something I read. Maybe it's not I true. heard that she got booted because yeah. the producers weren't happy with her character. 
and then brought her back because they made a character that the fans weren't happy with. Sounds like everyone's got a story. Yeah. But yeah, that was just... I don't know. This it's it's when there's the aspects of fandom that I myself participate in that start to like oh like the the hatred towards Pulaski or Keiko or sometimes like Luoxana. There's this I don't know. It feels gross sometimes at the, at its edges where yeah. I don't think the blame is on anyone except for maybe the writers of the show or the fans' own preconceptions they bring to it. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I also think that these shows, while they do try pretty hard to like... My orb. Oh, your orb is up there. Yeah, they do try pretty hard to make the female characters, like, fleshed out, and they do try pretty hard to say, like, in the future, men and women are equal. Right. It was still a product of its time, and there are still a lot of problematic, yeah. uh, like, sexist things that yeah, happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that the, re- the the reception of a lot of the characters is inherently a little bit sexist, you know? Yeah, because it's the fandom. Yeah, because it's the fandom. So I, I think that that really, I think that really hurt Dr. Pulaski. Cause oh, I, yeah. I think Dr. Pulaski is actually, like, when you look at her as a character, she is Bones McCoy. Like, right. she is McCoy. She's McCoy as a lady. Yeah. And fans love McCoy, but they hate Pulaski, and mm-hmm. it's like a woman in that role is yeah. somehow offensive, whereas a man in that role is yeah. celebrated. And yeah. I think there's something weird there. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, but I think she's arguably a better doctor than Doctor Crusher. <laughs> doctor Crusher is the the doctor that will be like, all right, I'll give you that prescription. <laughs> I I think I think Doctor Crusher is a great doctor. I do, but like Doctor Pulaski was like erasing people's memories and you know <laughs> like doing magic bullshit like de-aging people <laughs> actually no, well she kind of helped with that I guess I don't she, she was stepped up herself. to the job yeah well they got a McCoy doctor so then it's like okay yeah. so now it's back to space weirdness she had to fly across the galaxy to fix Picard's heart because she was the only <laughs> yeah. person who could do it because yeah. that other hammy actor was like we need a one of these or this man is dying <laughs> oh, we have to go through all of Star Trek this is just too much fun yeah, well, I, we, I, yes. <laughs> okay, the other thing from this episode I want to okay, talk about sure. is the questionable morality that Kira displays uh, when kidnapping another person. kidnapping that dude and, yeah. and infecting him with a disease to force him to cure the disease. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's that was really just, interesting. It's, I liked it. I do like it because it is yeah. very much a Kira thing where she's yeah, like, absolutely. This is what needs to get done. I'm going to do it. And yeah. We're just going to. They never. What's interesting is it never gets questions by anyone else because the episode didn't really care about that. Right. It's almost like, well, the audience doesn't see this as any kind of gray area. He's a stick in the mud for being a dick about not giving up a help for this. So she right. can just grab him and go. She she is showing her terrorist roots, you know, like <laughs> do what needs to be done to get what you need done to happen because yes. what you believe is that this thing is correct and you need to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like putting your own beliefs above someone else's safety uh is is interesting because like you don't see that from Federation officers, right? Uh, from Starfleet officers, right? But not typically, yeah. But you do see it from from Kira, and then you see it from Miles in the next episode. So yeah. I take it back. You do see it from yeah, Federation yeah. I was officer. gonna say it's not in a the problem. very next episode. But um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting because she like just straight up kidnaps him. She like calls him to make sure he's in his office. Are you there? Yep. She Bye. knows the one life sign. She makes sure it's him because she knows that she's going to infect him. She wants to be sure it's him because like if he created this virus then he deserves to have it in her yeah, mind. What if he gets up there and he's like I didn't, I don't know anything. Yeah. Nope. And which he says immediately and she's not even like oops, sorry. She's like well you better learn quick or else yeah. you're dead yeah. motherfucker. Uh, now we're just getting back to the like for a guy who said he had nothing to do with it he fixed it awfully quick. He fixed it so fast. It, like why was he being such a dick about, like, I'm going to let this whole space station die? Yeah. He probably could have done it over the phone. Yeah. I, this whole episode basically sets up the DS9 crew as completely inept, except for, <laughs> except for like, the, the, the people who aren't 
Starfleet. <laughs> like Odos Quark, and Quark Odo, yeah. and Kira saved the day. <laughs> and they're the non-Starfleet officers. Like everyone who's in Starfleet who should be adept at dealing with weird viruses that make people go crazy and then kill them eventually. That is normal <laughs> for Starfleet officers. Like that's like every day. And like they can't deal with it. Uh, like Bashir has no idea what to do. I mean, he he made like very little progress, and every time he made progress, he's like, "I have to show you this, Cap." Or Commander says, <laughs> like, "I have something to show you." Uh, and then they walk in, and it's just like, "I've made progress and can't do anything." Uh, or now it's more serious, and now O'Brien is gonna die, and you know, I have to show you this. Your son is now sick. Like, <laughs> yeah. get, just, just keep working just, on just it. Just send me a text message, and then show up and call me when you have good news, motherfucker. Like, what? What the fuck? No, there's no text messages. You send someone to his office with a pad. That's that's true. Amanda says they were not human, so apparently the virus incubated differently. Well, yeah, all the rest of the Bajorans on the station that got sick quicker, I, like Bajorans seem to not be immune, but maybe Ferengi and maybe Changelings are are immune. Maybe, maybe. like Quark does say that he has like the Ferengi immune Ferengi system, system right. which you know I'd like to hear more about. <laughs> they grew up on a wet planet, yeah. <laughs> um, so they probably are like very resilient to molds. <laughs> I, would, I would guess. Yeah, it's a lot of spores in Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that I loved towards the end of this, I love the whole sequence where they're trying to stop that that scaredy captain from like oh yeah yeah pulling his ship Jaheel. away. Jaheel, yeah. I actually really liked his arc, even though his acting was bizarre. He, he did this thing this where he just scene. seemed yeah, like he was like, always looking. I am very upset with the way that you are handling this. I do not want to get sick. <laughs> My fruit is going to rot. <laughs> I felt for that guy, though. I mean, he had... <laughs> he had a mission. He had he had fruit that was going to rot. He has to like, make money and shit. Um, I, liked, I liked his character a lot, actually. I liked the fact that, you know... If you're reverse engineering the story and you're thinking, how do I add tension to the end? How do I add a potential explosion? Because that is tense. How how do I do that? I think that what they came up with is actually pretty smart. You know, have someone who's scared to get the virus who tries to run. I thought that was like pretty good. Uh, And then I love the special effects and I love the 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 practical effects when Odo has to manually release the docking clamps. Yeah. And you see this like giant pneumatic tube. It's really cool. It's like really cool. I really liked that. It brings to life the physicality of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, totally. This whole episode did a lot of that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I, why is there always a manual release? Because you need a manual release. <laughs> I love a manual release. Like the manual in the first contact, the manual release when they have to go outside to manually release the deflector dish. Yeah, yeah. That, that whole sequence is fucking. Dope. Oh, do you want to bring up the meme from this episode? Yes, let's do Speaking it. Hold on, let me release. let me catch up with chat real quick. Okay. Um, Patrick asks Doug Jesse, how true does a true story need to be to be based on a true story? You get to see our other uh, uh, stream called Boats, based on a true story. I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I have no idea. I think barely. I think the answer is barely. <laughs> I think that Deep Space Nine is based on a true story. <laughs> um, Cisco wanted to go, yeah, his coffee. We talked about that. His crazy coffee acting. Totally. Yeah. The, the episode is bookended by him doing, Ooh. O'Brien! Yeah. O'Brien! Yeah, but he's like, it's like he like winds up for hot. He like winds up, no, too hot. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we found yeah, out IDIC, that is what we're trying to do, man. That's what we're trying to do. Welcome. Oh, yeah. O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien uh, likes his coffee uh, black double Gamer sweet. guy, what's up, dude? How does the refrigeration technology suck so bad? Yeah. <laughs> Why can't he put his fruit into cryo sleep or something? Uh, this is know. one of those things where they don't even bother to hand wave it away because yeah. you know it would just be something like, 
oh, it's a thing that's got a half-life and we can't do this because if we do this then this other thing happens. Yeah, it makes very little yeah, sense. This <laughs> um, but I love it anyway. I, I mean, you're in this weird zone on Deep Space Nine where you have all these different species with different technologies and different abilities. Right. But the Federation is like freely offering their technologies so and abilities yeah. except for people who need food yeah. because replicators <laughs> apparently are only for Starfleet officers. Oh yeah, or when later on they get into the whole like industrial replicator issue. That becomes Yeah, I <laughs> You'll take it. Is how how do you pronounce your name? Idic? Should I say Idic? I'm bad at names sometimes. I-D-I-C. But that, rem- that reminds me how Quark has, like, those little... They're not isolinear chips. They're, like, tubes. Oh, yeah, for security. It's just yeah, like, so he can hack into the system, because of course he has that. Yeah. I love that you get a little bit of a, a little bit more about what makes Quark a crook yeah. in this episode. I thought that was super great. Yep. Where he, like, has hacked into the main security system. I love that. Yeah, and, he's like, he's going cool. to steal shit from... From replicators, because why the fuck not? I love, I love that. Yeah. I, I love how he just does does whatever he needs to do. Yeah, Scotty put a man in transport. He put himself in a transport for eighty years, <laughs> but fruit still rots. Totally. Yeah. Although, although he found a way to like do some sort of feedback loop to avoid signal degradation. To trans- transport of replicators. That's another yeah. one of those things we start to peel away at this onion. And it just doesn't stop. Adik, it's from Vulcan lore. Oh, cool! Yeah. Infinite diversity, infinite combination. Oh, I didn't even catch that. IDIC. That's awesome. That's super cool. I love it. Very cool, dude. Um, yeah, totally. It's kind of the Vulcan way of being oh. like, you know, whatever, man. We're all we're all chill. Yeah, well, the memes. We got to do the memes. Oh yeah, let's do the true. let's do the meme for this episode. Yeah. We should break them down by episode. Yeah, let's just do the one for this one. I think it's this one. Yeah. Is this the right one? Yeah, that's the okay. right one. Because that was the blowing the docking clamps. Uh, do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? Commander, the sexbot ambassador from the planet Sexatronic 9000 is here, but all of Quark's holosuites are offline. If we don't perform the oral sex ritual in time, this whole station is in danger. What are we going to do? We'll have to get down there and blow it manually. (laughs) (laughs) I really like this one. Yeah, we we have a... Because the sexbot's ambassador's pronouns are it. We have a... A Doug Space Nine Instagram, and Doug is making <laughs> memes for every episode, yeah. and there's a link in the description. And then I also throw in other ones from other Star Trek that I'm also watching concurrently. I saw watch. that. I loved that. That was very exciting. <laughs> uh, okay, we need to do our ratings for this episode. I forgot yeah. to pull up the spreadsheet. Let's see. Wait, it's on my drive, my Google Drive. I shared the spreadsheet. Well, I'll, I'll share it again, actually. I'll share it with you now. Okay. With me or with them? Uh, I'll just pop it into the chat. Oh, okay. I shared it in my Discord. Doug Space Nine. Open. Share. Let me get the link. Working. Come on. Share. Maybe, Loading. Maybe they're right and it is lagging. Okay, so anyone can view. All right, there you go. There's the link to the spreadsheet, and we're gonna we're gonna update this right now. Um, copy, paste, season one, episode four, Babel. Okay, so we're going to rate it out of up to ten bars of gold-pressed latinum. <laughs> and for these purposes, let's just say, like, strips are half a bar, even though that's not true. So, sure. like, ten yeah. bars, five strips. We're doing, well, yeah, we're doing a decimal. Yeah. We've just uh, decisions. <laughs> it's been decided. Um, okay, so 
let's rate this episode. Go for it. What do you think? I don't know, man. It's... Oh wait, I'm sorry. But while we do this, let me let me pop up the the straw poll. Also, I, oh, I was yeah. not prepared today. Um, and I'll just do all numbers. Okay. Yeah. Because that, that's not hard. That that's, took like that a was, second. It was easy. Yeah. Okay, guys. So here is the link in chat. If you want to vote on how many how many bars of Latin you give this episode. Oh, we just got a fo- someone got a new follower on Instagram. Nice. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, if you like Star Trek shitposting. Was the virus Bajoran or Cardassian? It was Bajoran meant for Cardassians, right. but apparently affects all species. I don't know. Someone called me a nerd. Amazing. Your nerd is showing. <laughs> it's fair. I'll let it. Hi, Dragon. What's up, dude? Made it can get away with it. This episode made you laugh multiple times. Earns it an extra bit. Nice. <laughs> um, okay. Rating. Let's do it. And And guys, click that link in chat so you can rate with us. Five bars, eight strips. I think. I don't think I can muster a six on this one. Because they're like five and a half, basically. Yeah, this is one where, like, if I watched it again in a year, it'd be like four. I think every time I watch this, it's going to wind up going down in rating. If this is one of those that. It's a great episode you want to watch again. This one is just going to make me go, oh, right. And then he's got a fucking glass shelf on his, in his cart that he turns into. So. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, this, this is a tough one, because uh, the premise is awesome. And there are so many moments that are so good. Um, I love... I mean, it's got, like, action, it's got intrigue, it's fun. But there's, like, some huge holes in it. Right. It's that delicate... I, I feel like I feel like I, I want to give it a 7, but I can't. I don't think yeah. it's good enough. Yeah. To get, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Okay. So a little higher than Doug. Uh, and then let's see. What does chat say? What does chat rate this episode? Chat gave it a nine. Wait, oh. no. We should average this out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a nine, a five, and a seven. Well, now I have to do math. That's stupid. I shouldn't have to do... I don't know. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> let's see. The average is 5.25? Let's no, see. Wait. No, 18 plus 5, 7. Oh, thank seven, you. Seven, I'm not even open four. yet. 7.5. 7.5, okay. I think that... Well, let's let's average it out for, for now. But the, that math get, might get hard eventually. Well, we'll uh, who get cares? some mod to do it for us. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda, I hope you're also a math nerd. <laughs> okay, so she now... She just said that she's more like my kind of nerd than you. <laughs> no offense, but I'm, like, literally stealing your followers. You know what? You, yoink. We can yoink, share, man. Yoink. <laughs> Okay, favorite character. That's fair. Who's our favorite character in this episode? Uh, <laughs> the virus. <laughs> she says, no, I am not. <laughs> favorite characters. Who do we want to nominate for favorite character? Doug says the virus. Yeah, because that was ridiculous. <laughs> um, man, this is tough. I feel like Odo and Quark need to be in there. Yeah, that's fair. Who else? O'Brien. O'Brien bringing it home. Amanda says you won't even give out your YouTube channel, Doug. So you can't steal her. <laughs> I don't think I have a YouTube channel. O'Brien is nominated. Maybe I do. Anyone else? Those are good nominations. I think those are good. Let's vote between those four. Yeah, that's good. Creating the poll. Okay. 
Someone's disputing our results, but sorry. Okay, here's your poll to vote on favorite character. Uh, favorite character? What do you think, Doug? <laughs> favorite character? Yeah, in this episode. I voted the virus. Oh, that's right, the virus. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think that that's fair. <laughs> favorite character in this episode? It was so adaptable. It became airborne, it worked on multiple species. I'm going Quark. <laughs> oh, I'm, that's good. That's legit. I'm going Quark because, uh, like, Quark saving the day at the end, beaming Odo and scaring him right before he transports him. Like, mm-hmm. all that shit was so funny. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going Quark with this episode. Gamer Guy says I'd be dumb as hell with my vote. All right, let's see. <laughs> let's look at the results. Quark is the winner! <laughs> I was correct. I feel like more people should have voted for the virus. Okay, and now we got to vote for best uh, performance. Performance. Okay. We go by character names because it's yeah easier. character names. I I'm nominating Miles O'Brien. Of course, I figured you would. Because nom- his aphasia acting is exceptional. I'm going to nominate Quark because I wasn't as blown away by O'Brien's aphasia acting. Quark's performance in this episode was really good. I think. Mm-hmm. Anyone I- else that we want to nominate? Uh, I. I want to put Avery Brooks if, for his like O'Brien for his coffee acting. Let's, let's have, put him if he didn't. If they didn't bookend the series with his, his fakey coffee reactions, he'd have a strong. I'd have a hard time choosing between him and Quark. Jake, okay, Jake is nominated for best performance. Sounds good. He did a good. He did a really good job. Yeah. I think that I think that the only legitimate reason to vote for Avery Brooks in this episode is because his like physical acting with Jake with his, was with, so good. It's like he has one amazing scene. The rest of his stuff is solid Avery Brooks, and then two really bad things. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Tough call. Okay. I think that's good. I think we got what four random background characters. Random background characters. Uh, we. Uh, what's his name? Jahil. Jahil. Yeah. Oof. Who's just like the you must let me go. I am. Needing to save my space fruit. Okay, here's our poll. I don't want to get sick! Yeah. Who wants to get sick, you asshole? Morn! (laughs) Morn is good, but too late. Okay, there's your poll, my friends. So I'm I'm definitely going, best performance, I'm definitely going with O'Brien. Yeah. I mean I assume you're gonna pick who you nominate. Yeah, and what's what's his name? For the for this I like to write the real name. Oh, Cole Meany? Yeah, thank you. And then who did you go? Wait, that's you. Who'd you go with? Um, Quark. And I went with Colmini. And then we'll see. What... And then what does chat say? Best performance. Chat says Miles O'Brien. Yeah, fair. Jahil got a vote though. Nice. <laughs> Me and chat, dude. We are, we are like, I, simpatico I, today. Yeah. Amanda's the closest to <laughs> me with chat. Once. She Dude, Amanda's totally the, on the my side. I, she brilliance of discovery. She hears you talking about this nonsense, and she's like, "I don't know what he's talking about. It's all nonsense." Listen, I know that I'm a rebel <laughs> with my out there views of discovery. You're you're History a crazy person. Will prove me right, like it has with every other Star Trek series. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> don't fight over me, she says. <laughs> what you need to do, Jesse? <laughs> Is have faith of the heart. Ah! <laughs> I've got faith of the heart. <laughs> no, one no one's gonna bend or break me. I can reach any star. <laughs> I've got faith. I've got. I've got. I've got, I've got faith. Faith of the heart. <laughs> 
Alright, now we can take a break. Alright, we're taking a break, you guys. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Doug's gonna smoke a cigarette. It's an American spirit, so it takes a couple minutes. Yeah. And then we'll talk about we're gonna do um And yeah, then we got a whole other episode to talk about. Yeah, somebody said, Oh, I didn't see that episode. Like, it doesn't matter, dude. Just it'll still be fun. Yeah. Because we'll sing traveler. We're gonna talk about so much other things. I know. I, I'm not gonna sing Traveler. Whenever I sing on stream, <laughs> I like I sing it in like a like a, a dumb voice. I actually sing, but I'm like too embarrassed ah. to use my real singing voice unless there's music behind me. It's really weird. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, I can't sing, so I got no shame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you can listen to my my music in other places. Okay, hold on. Let's see. I gotta get a break set up here. Here's the AFK screen. Boom. Uh, what's next? Let's see. Oh, I gotta turn off the camera and then the microphone. And then we'll be back in a couple of minutes, my friends. Go pee. Go take a break. We'll see you in a few. Yo. I'm back. Doug's still on his break. Okay, good. You can hear me. But I'm ready, so I'm like, hey, I'll just chat with you guys for a second. Um, I just remembered that I released a podcast last night, and I just put a link in the description... Wait. Oh my god. Doug just got modded. <laughs> Doug just... GoGirl just deleted Doug's comment for being self-promotion. GoGirl, Doug is, is, is uh, part of the live show. <laughs> but that's fair. That's fair. That is... We have that rule. <laughs> that makes me laugh so much. That's hilarious. Yeah, Doug is in chat while smoking a cigarette outside. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, yeah, so I just posted a link in the description. I put a podcast out last night. Um, it's three hours long. It's me and this awesome dude, Wes, talking about Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, like what we want from the Captain Picard show, which I really enjoyed. Get ready for the ban hammer, indeed. Oh, that is so funny. DS9 is the best stream. I love it. It is so fun. Doug and I were just talking about that, how fun this is. Um... Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. You're going to put Doug on a timeout? <laughs> Get your ass in here. <laughs> are you, are you like, trying to sneak up on me, or what's happening? <laughs> I hear you. I know you're here. I know. I'm not trying to be sneaky. Okay. I'm just naturally sneaky. The funny thing is, like, you just walked behind me, behind the green screen, but, like, you can't even see you on screen. <laughs> oh, hold on. Are I'm you gonna, in... I'm clock in. <laughs> Are you in my raccoon wounds? I literally don't know at all what that means. I have no ideas about what that could even possibly mean. Ooh, you want some of this? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, go girl, thank you. I appreciate that. It's that clogged. Was, no, no one gets to promote stuff. It's my unclogged face. It's not working. I'm going to oh, try it. No. If I make the face harder, it might work. Okay. Boop, boop, boop. See if I can remotely program it. It worked. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah, use the L cars to unplug, unclog my my drugs. <laughs> oh, Family Guy reference from 2011. Nice. All right. Well, you motherfuckers ready to dive into season one, episode five, Captive Pursuits? Because I'm fucking ready. Yeah. Wow, that smoke looked really cool in front of the green screen. I do vape clouds on my other stream. It's called the vape cloud stream. Streams of vape clouds. It's pretty tight. 
I just blew that in your face because I wanted to see what it looked like when I <laughs> blew it over you. Oh, I didn't have enough smoke to make it look cool. <laughs> You're old. Some someone would donate to that to the vape cloud stream, <laughs> dude. I was on Twitch the other day and I just looked up ASMR because I was curious, and it was mm. the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I like ASMR. Yeah, that's another thing that I had uh, heard about a while back, and then was like, oh wow, this is really cool, and then didn't hear anything about it, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's this whole whole world now. Yeah, it's interesting. I might go grab a. I'm getting. I feel like I have migraine coming on. I might go grab a weed candy. Okay. To. To head it off at the pass okay. with giggles. <laughs> Do you, can you mind holding down the fort for sure. a second? I'll be right back. Holding the fort. Now it's awkward time. We have to think of something to say. Where does Jesse keep his wallet? Is there money in this thing? Nope, that's empty. Okay. Who wants to guess Jesse's passcode to his phone? <laughs> oh, hi! He's back! Never mind! What are you doing? <laughs> We're going to play a game on the chat called Guess Jesse's Passcode. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've, I've spent like almost 100% of my donations on streaming stuff. Yeah. Streaming is, you know, a lot of gear. I like it. I, do, I really want to get a new streaming chair, because... Look at that. I got a giant pillow. Oh, that chair yeah. looks cool, but but hurts my booty. Yeah, understood. And this one, I'll break this one eventually. I keep fidgeting. <laughs> I can't sit still. Yeah, those these these chairs that we're sitting in, the see-through ones are from upstairs. Oh, could be Odo. Oh. He, could, he can turn into see-through material. Also, that one could be Odo because he can make wheels. <laughs> what candy is that? Uh, this is, it's called a Marma. It's a weed candy. I, I get these weird, like, I've talked about my health stuff a little bit, but I get these weird, I call it a migraine, but it's not really a migraine, where, like, my head starts feeling strange, and, like, I get, like, weird, like, tingly feelings in my arm and leg and stuff, and, like, weed actually really helps. Oh, okay. This is medicinal. <laughs> it's also really fun, and it's also really hard to open. Amanda doesn't have a passcode for her phone. Well. Excellent. First guest. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, just, Doug just wants access to everyone's phone. <laughs> Let's take half, because it's all you need. Yeah. It's legal. It's okay. We're cool. We're cool, bro. Do you want half? No, I'm good. Thank okay. you. Appreciate it. I just keep hitting that pen from time to time. You vape medicinal pot? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this is like one-to-one -one CBD, the, the vape pen. Yeah, I get it's like I get these weird episodes where I'm actually more clear-headed if I'm stoned than if I'm not because like my brain kind of goes weird. Any past episode will show I it's the opposite effect for me. <laughs> we keep doing this where I we're like sober in the first half and, and then like stoned in the second half. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I'm ready. <laughs> gonna make sure I'm stoned. That yeah. edible needs a good like booster fuel. Yeah, <laughs> edible's gonna take a while legal across Canada yeah. yeah last time I had an edible before because I woke up not feeling well and I was like a goofball by the time we started oh. um okay let's go captive pursuits here we go out of the gate I am tossed motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> out of the gate in this episode we wind up having Quark switch from like a charming roguish 
criminal. Like, oh yeah, I, uh, I'm a criminal, but look, I'll help out the station a couple of times to legit oh, I make my female employees sign a contract that requires them to provide sexual favors to me, their boss. It is very upsetting. It's really gross. And I actually, I feel like it's almost played for laughs, but... It is. It's the... Oof. And they keep and they keep cutting themselves off. They won't quite say it. They're leading you up to the edge. They're always like, oh, but this contract, this part about the exchange of... Right. Like, they won't quite... Yeah, totally. I noticed that. So, but the, Cisco's reaction to it, I thought, was really appropriate, which was... It is. Like, yeah. incredulous anger We're followed by... We're putting a by, stop to this right now. Like, I'm sure this is, this is not going to be a problem for you in the future. Because right. he's like, on this station... This is not going to fly, right. which I liked, but uh, yeah. I but I but I I really could have done without the whole scene. It was like a weird, yeah. distasteful, then, especially without thing having. In the beginning. I thought they were going to bookend it this whole time, and I've seen didn't. this episode now yeah. like four times. I keep waiting for the end of the episode to be a circle back to like, oh, by the way, everything's cool with the Dabo girl that we right. made you emotionally invested in her sexual slavery right. for no reason at the opening. Right. Yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah. So, so let's just, let's move on from that because it was weird. What was the name of the hunter species? Tosk. No, I the hunter Tusk. species, they don't, the, Tosk is the hunter. Oh, that's what he's the hunted, not yeah. the hunter. I yeah, don't sorry. think they ever I say They the didn't name. name them. Yeah. Yeah. I call them Mr. Robotos. Oh my god, their <laughs> outfits are ridiculous. I love them. Yeah, they, they, they looks, are fantastic. They're totally like 60s sci-fi, yeah. what do aliens look like? Yeah, it's... They're it's, so fucking funny. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna pull... Actually, I wonder if I could pull up the episode. Because there's something in this episode I really wanted to, to watch, actually. Hold on, Deep Space Nine, uh, season one. I might be able to just pop this on screen. Because if we're... It's actually fair use if we're... Uh, I, sh I didn't plan for this, but I've been thinking about trying this. Um, it's fair use if you show clips. Ooh. Captive Pursuit. Play. Oh my god. Okay, hold on. I can... Let me... So I have to do a window capture. Okay. I know this is thrilling. Are you going to do the whole thing, or...? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh... I would not do that. You're going to show the Duff Punk aliens, though. Yeah, and there's another clip I want to show. Okay. My favorite moment. For the future, we'll have to like write down time codes. I'll bet we could yeah, yeah, yeah. track this. Uh, oh, this might not work. No. It doesn't work. I don't know why. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to use Amazon. I tried to do this with Netflix once, and it didn't work, but it just mm. occurred to me I could try Amazon. I could try CBS All Access. I'd have to do a, a window capture, and yeah. it won't capture this video for some reason. Well, we can just get a screenshot, right? Yeah, the, let's get. Well, that's the least we can do. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking for? I'm curious to watch your. Well, the clip I wanted to show was the was Odo walking slowly towards the turbo lift. Oh yeah, because it is yeah. hilarious. I laughed so hard. Yeah, that's so that's that's towards the end when they're gonna help the hunted get away and then Odo is all Mr. Johnny on top of it like yep O'Brien's being a dick and that's not cool so we'll just stop this here and I'll take care of everything and Cisco's like yeah but maybe don't yeah he's like don't rush yeah, you can go a little slower yeah and then Odo boom walks <laughs> yeah Odo slow walks out of ops to the turbo lift but then he keeps stopping and looking back and making these like 
facial expressions. And it's fucking brilliant. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's like you're watching his character reassess Cisco. Cisco. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can see the thought process. He's just like, he's like, walk a little bit slower. And he's like, oh, okay. He walks away slowly, turns around, and makes his classic Odonato of like, yeah. Uh. <laughs> And then walks even slower and like saunters into the turbo lift. And they like hold on him for so long. Yeah. And it's so funny. So I, I think in that it's moment, so good. Odo is thinking, I'm going to be able to not have to follow all the rules if I don't want to. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so I just pulled it up on screen. There's there's those dudes that, mm-hmm. the hunters that attack later. And their outfits just destroy me with how awesome they are. Like, that's <laughs> what I want to dress as for Halloween. And they have like, all, like these sashes with these flashy buttons and shit on them. It's just so ridiculous. I really love it. I'm getting distracted by chat, but yeah, Quark should have been arrested. Amanda, you're right. Out of the uh, out of the gate. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a little upsetting. It's very. It's a little upsetting. I mean, it's weird. It's weird. It's just weird. Yeah. Like he puts into this contract that, like, if you take a job as a double girl, you have to give him sexual favors. It's right. very gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and illegal. Yeah, and it. But see, now the, here's the thing. Okay, now we're gonna get. It, it's tempting to ignore this because it's one scene right? and it never comes up again in this episode. But this is one of the problems with Deep Space Nine is like this This episode focuses on exploration of different cultures and their uh, laws and how their laws and their customs and how that comes up against the Federation and their laws and customs right. with their philosophy of non-interference. Right. They set up a really interesting but probably difficult one to explore and I'm... Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering if it's supposed to be a parallel, but they leave it as an exercise to you, the viewer. You know, right. they don't go any further into it. Like, oh yeah, Ferengi, we know from past history that they they abuse keep their women, women yeah. naked. You know, yeah. and so now they have this contract that to him is probably nothing. You know, yeah, and they do go into this later in the series, and they there's like almost a yeah. woman's rights movement in Ferenginar, yeah. led by Quark's mom. Right, and the episodes are kind of bad, but I really like it anyway. I like, yeah. appreciate it, dude. Rock and RC, what's up, man? Welcome, good to see you. Okay, um, but the meat of this one, yeah, is that they encounter the first species to come through the other side. Of yes, because apparently on our side it's next to Bajor, and on their side it's in the middle of a parking lot. You know, right. it's just like no one is around. But they implied that other that there have been ships going in and out all the time, and they almost implied that maybe ships had come through from the from the other side of the wormhole, but had not docked at Deep Space Nine yet. No, so I took it to be ships that had come through had all been their ships that they had sent through. Okay, this that makes fir- more sense. This is the first ship. This from is the first the encounter. Gander okay, the that's what I want. Alpha. Yeah, quarter. that confused me. That's what I want this to be. I want this to be an episode about like. Okay, good. I'm wrong. I'm glad to be wrong. Yeah, good. Thanks, Beta. That, that actually is a relief to me, because right. I'm like, why didn't they tell the story of the first ship that came right. through the wormhole is, from, wh- <laughs> from the, what is the Delta Quadrant? The Gamma, Gamma Quadrant. Quadrant, right. Delta Flyer, Voyager, Gamma Quadrant. Okay. Right, right. Um, and that, okay, good. That's what this is, then. This is the first contact with an alien species from the Gamma Quadrant. Right. Which is a story that I love that they decided to tell. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what I really wanted. Like, it's, it's to me, paying off the premise of the pilot, which yeah. is... You know, we found this hole through space that goes somewhere totally new. What's going to happen? And they do a great job of having the first one be a conflict of culture. You yes, know? totally. I think, I think that that's a great choice. Yeah, and it's a culture that, like, from the other side of the wormhole, just seems so despicable to us. Yeah, well, and it's a heavy-handed nod to our past. Right. You know? But they don't really unravel why. They don't talk about personal liberty and freedom and every sentient species' right to pursue their own life the way they want to. Um 
Like, they don't talk about that at all. They just basically say it's wrong. It's which wrong, right. I will dock a point for, because I feel like they had a had an opportunity to do that and chose not to. Well, they kind of do towards the end, because that's... Uh, Tosk basically saying, like, no, I'm... Yes, I could get out of this. You've given me an out, and I'm not going to take it. Right. Because I am choosing what you perceive to be a real shitty end to my story. You know? Right. Yeah, the first half of the episode... So, I mean, we meet this character who comes through... Okay, I'm going to back up here, because there's something I want to talk about. We meet this character who comes summary, through the wormhole. You're not going to get one. Here. Yeah, you're not going to get one. <laughs> um, so, they, they meet this dude. His name is Tosk. He says, I am Tosk. He's basically Groot. And he, like, has very little to say except, I am Tosk. Right. Uh, and he wants... His ship is exploding when he comes through the wormhole. Right, right. And they're like, well, can we beam him off? And he says, no, I no. must not leave my ship, because right. like, we, know, we don't know why. Yeah. And he's like, well, I could send out a tractor beam. O'Brien says, I could send out a tractor beam that would, like, shore up his ship enough so he wouldn't explode. Right. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, why isn't that always the first choice? <laughs> if, you're, if your tractor beam stops ships from exploding, right. why are you always beating people off and letting their ships explode? Because <laughs> it's, like, always people that show up in a ship that they're, like, running from something or, like, everything they own is in this ship, like the dude from The Defector in TNG. It's like... You know, uh, that that's his only means of transportation, or at the very least, it's his personal property. And they never try to save ships if they could with the tractor beam. That, <laughs> that felt like bullshit to me. It sounds to me like you weren't paying attention during the tractor beam energy conservation class at the Academy, Riker. Yeah, totally. I, that, I get annoyed when shows, like Star Trek shows in particular add techno babble that they've never used before mm -hmm. that would have been very helpful a million yes. times in the past <laughs> that they're just now admitting is a thing where yeah. it's like obvious that they just made up uh, an easy way to do something in this episode that didn't quite make sense so <laughs> I found that why do they have to keep reinventing silly. techno babble they should have really built on some of these things yeah totally we've already established the no exploding beam yeah. let's use that more but even in that first scene over the over the you know view screen O'Brien calls Tosk friend immediately. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just, they just have uh, an instant camaraderie yeah. between the two of them. Yeah. And that's why I love this episode. Yeah. Because the bromance dynamic, between yeah. Tosk and Miles O'Brien <laughs> is fantastic. And it's wonderful because there's like little snippets of O'Brien, which is like, he's like really oddly quick to judge and not. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say that it feels like he has a good sense of character. I feel like he's just going along with stuff, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's like, wrong about Tosk, and then when he comes to like Tosk, he changes his mind and gives a different impression. I this he's kind of incurious in his own way, O'Brien. He's a very instinctual character. Yeah, yeah. Who just kind of feels what he feels that's going to act upon yeah. it without really thinking about it too hard. <laughs> he's very emotional, yet doesn't express his emotions well. Totally, about. yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's very well-layered and well-put-together as a character, even, even this early in the season. Yeah. And just his gut feeling that Tosk is a good guy mm -hmm. dictates all of his behavior. Right. Which is so funny because he doesn't feel that way about Julian Bashir. He doesn't <laughs> even seem to like him, yeah. and yet they end up hanging out together constantly. He, well, the problem is that uh, uh, O'Brien starts to develop a crush on Julian, and this complicates all of the way that he interacts with Julian. O'Brien develops a crush on Julian? 100%, yeah. I feel we like it's the other way around. Uh, no, Garrick, uh, uh, Julian has a crush on, on Garrick. Garrick, and Garrick is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you just don't know it. Yeah. And then O'Brien is going the other way towards Julian, so... There's a layer to Deep Sest 9 that you have to really... All right, we'll watch for that. We'll watch for that. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that they sent O'Brien alone for a first contact? What if the Toss guy was a murderous jerk? Uh, I know. Yeah. 
Uh, how about the fact that they're like, holy shit, this is the first contact from the Gamma Quadrant, and the Lieutenant Belly Monster is like, how about we just ignore first contact protocols? And it's just like, like, sounds like a good idea to me. Absolutely. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god, yeah, that made no sense. But <laughs> I, but again, I like it because it's like episode. because it feels there's a lot of instinctual storytelling in yeah. this episode where <laughs> things don't make sense but feel right. Like yeah. it feels like that's how these people yes. would act. Yeah, and and a lot of his portrayed through subtext and body language, mm-hmm. especially between Tosk and and Miles. Mm-hmm. The, both of those performances are fantastic in this it's, episode. This is one where I could see it, the person portraying Tosk made choices that worked really well but feel risky because he plays himself as being like very stiff yeah. and you know very blocky in movement and but he's so fucking consistent with it uh-huh. and when it's not his turn to do his yabbery meat mouth the way he like looks around at stuff it's great oh yeah he's always like he's like moving like a lizard sometimes well and he's 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 moving like someone who's being hunted right you right know? he and his like He's <laughs> like, I'm, uh, I'm ready to attack. His attack stance is hilarious, but he kind of pulls it off. There's something so sincere about his delivery, mm-hmm. and there's something so warm about his presence. Yeah, it's uh, that that performance really blows me away because he does and makes the episode work. They make him. Sure. It's clear that he's powerful in his own physicality. That he's can be dangerous. But he's not a threat to any of the people around him, you know? Even his pleads when he's like, yeah, I was stealing weapons, mm -hmm, but I was, you know, I didn't hurt anything. I didn't do anything. Yeah. And he also, he has this, like, very strong moral core, but his morals are so like distorted by the culture that he comes from because yeah, he's got like a single focus yeah which is really interesting like he's a very like severe character in what he believes uh and totally a character that i'd love to just like watch in his own show yeah go off in the hunt for seven years yeah this is one where the unnamed aggressor species and uh the tosk itself has a wonderful premise uh-huh. and a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot worth exploring further that also is sufficiently explored in the episode yeah but so Tosk has this uh, vow of silence or whatever he's not allowed to ask for help he's not allowed to tell other people what he's doing yeah um, during the hunt so he can't tell O'Brien what's happening with the hunt yeah it sounds like he can't and that he's talk- being hunted by these other people first rule of the hunt can't talk- can't talk about can't the talk hunt, the hunt. <laughs> um, which I think Second is rule a- of the hunt I am Tosk <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting you when I get high. No, it's good. I think it's correct. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Seriously, though, what were we talking about? We're talking about Tosk and Tosk. Uh, you were saying. Oh, his vow of silence. Right. Okay, uh, which I thought was like a, writing-wise was a really clever device mm-hmm. because yes. it uh, it kept that sense of mystery. Mm-hmm. I, the podcast that I just put out today, I was talking to Wes about. Uh, Terminator and how like there's this big info dump halfway through Terminator mm-hmm. where you don't know what's happening with John Connor and like you don't even know who he is and like why is Sarah Connor being chased and like right. you don't know anything and then halfway through John Connor sits her down and tells her everything right. and then hits on her yeah <laughs> uh, so you have this big info dump in the middle and I actually love that kind of thing and I think this episode did a really elegant job of it yeah. of not telling you what Tosk was about forcing Tosk to not be able to tell you right. but then naturally finding a way for that information to come later because yeah. when the hunters arrive they're like oh yeah uh, he broke his vow of silence and told you about the hunt and like mm. they accidentally kind of reveal that the hunt is happening yeah um, it's a show don't tell that's what and they do it yeah, well yeah it's this really is, good I love the comparison that's why I like doing these side by side totally the, the, the last episode 
like I said, I think keeps becoming worse with rewatches. Like all the flaws become more and more evidence. It's fragile, crystalline structure is you see how the delicacy. This one, with repeated rewatch, it still is solid. It holds yeah. up. The motivations keep making sense. For the yeah. most part. There's some, you know, broad Star Trek stuff. Uh but one of the key differences is that all of these things are based around the the interactions with people in their in their own motivations, not a technology uh-huh. that they're making up, you know. So Which it makes is, it so much more effective. Yeah, it, it it's makes me feel by it that. more. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, I I read that a lot of the production staff felt like this was the best episode of the first season. Yeah, I don't know if they include the pilot in that or not, but well, I, like I said, apart from the pilot, because the pilot does set it up, but this is the one that first delivers on the promise Absolutely. that the pilot sets up. Yeah, this one is like what can the, what what is Deep Space 9? Like why does why is Deep Space 9? You could skip this, a bunch of this Deep answer Space Nine this and, episode answers that. Yeah. It says like Deep Space 9 is a show where we are on the frontier of space in the Star Trek world and we're going to have to deal with things in a little bit of a different way mm-hmm. because we're not traveling and people are coming to us. Right. And you can't you can't like run away from your problems in this show. You can't just say, "Oh, Prime Directive, sorry, beam everyone out and then fly away." You can't do that. You have to make different choices. You uh, can't apply a tractor beam to your own problems every day, Miles. Sometimes you have to dig down in there deep and do the work. You can't stop your own problems from exploding with a well-placed tractor beam. Uh, Amanda says, "As someone who's never been high, I enjoy the dynamic an awful lot." Uh, you just get goofy and silly. I've got the munchies part of it down, though, eating Briar's chocolate and peanut butter ice cream. Oh, my God, that sounds so good. When we were on break, I was eating chips and chickpeas, and it was fucking awesome. Nice. Um, I, I've been reading uh, Robin Hobb fantasy stuff recently, one of my favorite authors ever, and and this this episode is so, like, a medieval fantasy mm-hmm. where there's this, like, mythic hunt that's going on, and mm-hmm. you have these this creature who is just trained just to be hunted, this sentient right. person who's who's been brought up to feel like being part of the hunt is like a great honor so right. it's, I he feel values like it's implied it. they like genetically engineered I think so too yeah, yeah. there's actually background information that someone they, they talk about this later that the, the Tosk and the Jem'Hadar are actually very similar yeah I was thinking of that the whole time of yeah. like oh this seems like you know like the the, the beta version of the uh, Jem'Hadar yeah and someone behind the scenes said that the Jem'Hadar and the Tosk were genetically engineered by the same species oh interesting which implies that the Changelings created the Tosk or the or the Vorta? Did the Vorta make the Jem'Hadar, <coughs> or did the change? Oh, make was it the Vorta or the Jem'Hadar? But the Vorta worshipped the, the changelings as gods, but right? But were did, not. Gen, but were they genetically engineered by the changelings or no? Uh, all right. We're, now we're th- now we're theorizing of we, we don't stuff. we don't need to go. We'll there. come back to it. <laughs> but let's try to remember Tosk in relation with Jem'Hadar stuff when it comes up. For sure, for sure. Because yeah, it's yeah. absolutely it's like a childlike warrior, you know. Yeah, there's something so interesting about genetically engineering a species for a purpose and then building in a religious type well, structure it around it to make the to make that person believe that what they're doing is good even though they're being taken advantage of like they're being right. bred to take right, it being right, taken right, advantage right. of but are being told that it's okay it's okay because he likes it you made yeah. him like it yeah i feel like i mean i feel like that's so common in our society of like people you know, in, in, let's use the example of like religion and and saying how like people are brought up to, you know, think that like sex is bad. Like this is a good example, I think. Okay. That okay. like you can't have sex until you get married because that's bad. It's a sin. Okay. But that's just something that like some people believe right. that prevents them from doing something that that's pretty awesome. Right. That I think is very enjoyable and well worth doing. And I I honestly think it's actually pro sex uh, unhealthy to not have sex with someone 
that you're about to marry. I think that you need to like test out your sexual chemistry because you never know what's going to happen. And I also think that it's important that to ha- have a few sexual partners before you, you know, settle on the final one you're, that you're, you're going to have. Because this is turning into Odo talking about relationships. Yeah, I know. We're like you're getting weirdly Except specific. I've been in some, and he hasn't. But I feel like I feel like that's an unhealthy thing that's perpetuated by religion that maybe makes people less happy than they would be otherwise. Oh, that's. That's my theory. I see what you're saying. You're you're saying that Tosk didn't get a chance to get none before he gets killed in the hunt, and what they need to do (laughs) is have some version of, like, sex Tosks, so the prey Tosks... absolutely not what I'm saying. sex (laughs) Tosks can go at it. What I'm saying is that Tosk has does not have his own best interests in mind because yes. of a religious system that's been put on him from birth. Well, yeah, well, the one distinction I would make there and I don't know what the what it means, but is that he was genetically it seems like he was genetically engineered right. to have this belief versus indoctrinated, which is what I think I you're think it's both. About. I think that he's had both yeah, done. But I, indoctrinated is the perfect word. I think that right. he is not only genetically bred to be subservient to right. these these hunters. Right. I think he's also trained from childhood uh, indoctrinated from childhood, brainwashed to believe that being Tosk is the only thing that he can ever be, is the only thing that he can ever live for. Right. He won't even consider something outside of it. Like right. he would, he would never consider sitting down and having a drink with someone. Right. Which we see. It was like you, you people have too much free time. He would never do that of his own volition because he's been bred and indoctrinated not to care for himself at all. Right. That's, but value himself as a sentient person. And to me, that's one of the things that would be interesting to explore in Absolutely. something like this is, and I think they sort of try to do it with the Jem'Hadar, which is, could you could you raise a Tosk to not feel this way? You know, where yeah, totally. you, you get rid of the indoctrination, is it still the yeah. genetic breeding? I, I mean, it's it's Iborg all over again, you know? Mm-hmm. that And Iborg is one of the best episodes of TNG where, you know, Jordy becomes friends with a Borg who's never had his own consciousness before. He's always been a part of a collective. And then he learns to say I instead of we and, you know, becomes a person and then wants to make choices for himself for the first time. And I, I would love they, they don't even come close to that with Tosk, but right. they could have done a sequel to this episode where Tosk <clears throat> comes back and is, you know, like maybe he, his relationship with O'Brien has festered and he suddenly wants to right, uh, right. have a life of his own and like maybe had this epiphany that he could have a life of his own Mm -hmm. and could have free will. There's a lot of interesting things you could do with a sequel to this story, for sure. Absolutely. So I do think, though, they do address it eventually. Yeah, 7 of 9 for Voyager 2. There's a a Jem'Hadar story uh, in the future DS9 where they have a baby that they raise. Right. Yeah, that's kind of like when they... I'm sorry. Oh, no, they find a baby and they don't know he's a Jem'Hadar until he gets older, right? Or something like that? I don't remember what happened. I loved that episode, but I don't remember what happened. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, just talking about the structure. How in TNG they would have come, acro- they would just show up at this planet where they were doing this, right? And then find yeah. it. Where now they just run into it, right? Totally. This is, yeah, this it, is what now it comes to them. You can still tell these kinds of stories whether the ship is parked at the space mall or whether you're yeah. moving down to planets. Totally. Uh, but it, I, I thought this episode raised so many interesting questions because Tosk doesn't care that he is he likes being tossed like he doesn't want to be freed this this would be something that we would consider like a, an oppression that he needs to be freed from well they do they make it explicit because they're yeah. like we've got to find a way to save him well we can't because of the yeah. prime directive and they do they cook right. up a plan to save him yeah. from this where he can but, escape from being uh, his job as being hunted 
but Tosk doesn't want that. Like Tosk right. wants to be hunted, and because that's why the solution is so elegant, which is like O'Brien realizing instinctually that the only thing that's going to work here is to is for the hunt to go back on. Right. Which is right. a great way to wrap this up. Yes. Yeah, so what, good. What uh, towards the end with the the dilemmas they find is that Tosk is either going to wind up living the rest of his life on this planet, you know, as an object of shame, uh, or you know he's going to get hunted and by all accounts, killed in some period of time, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. He's either put in a cage on his planet or the hunt can continue. And it seems like for Tosk, like, the the thing he wants most in life is to be hunted and have it continue. Right. Like, to never be caught. and just they like made him that way. Or you know? to, like, die gloriously at the end of the hunt. Right. Uh, and it's so interesting that... It's like, like a cling what, that what doesn't do have say? any other choices. Like, what do you say to someone like that? What do you... when? We believe that the right thing is that they not be hunted because that's right. like a form of slavery and is disgusting. But but according to that person, it's what they want. Like, what do you do? What well, what do you say to them in that situation? Well, or do they, you just respect their choices? Or yeah. do you try to convince them otherwise? I don't know. No, well, they do. They sh- it's what O'Brien does. O'Brien says, say the word asylum out loud to me. Mm-hmm. And then you he can come away from this. He, he literally runs there. He yeah. literally runs there. He's out of breath when he gets there. He's like, buddy, I got good news. Just say the word asylum. Yeah, I got yeah. a plan. <laughs> it's adorable. And the whole idea that he thinks that Quark told him that, even though he thought of the plan himself, you know, Quark wasn't even getting to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's really, I think it's really compelling storytelling. And at the core of all of it is this like beautiful bromance that, is so cute. Like O'Brien is just tittering with excitement to hang out with Toss. You know, we see a side of him we haven't seen before. Right. Uh, and oh, you know what I was going to say? Side of O'Brien that looks for any so excuse to not go home. Sidetracked, but I was going to say that I've been reading this like medieval fantasy stuff. Oh, recently, right, right, right. And that it's like there's all of these like codes of honor in these societies where there is you know like main characters who are killing people with swords. But they all have this like sense of nobility and honor. That, and like one of them is a prince, and he has to like act a certain way. And you're kind of born into roles in these medieval worlds where you have to act a certain way. Right, right, right. And uh, I, I love that they kind of do that. They play with that in this episode with the the hunt itself being kind of a medieval thing. Right. But also with like the way that O'Brien interacts with Tosk, it reminds me so much of a medieval fantasy thing because he just like takes this guy like for what he is and kind of trusts him and believes him because they have share a similar sense of nobility and honor maybe yeah, or they yeah. get that sense of each other and they just kind of run from there and I just I, something about it just like really works for me I really really dig it yeah I, I, I like the sweetness that it showed on O'Brien's part you know yeah that he was right away bonding with this other creature yeah and then, I mean, when the hunters arrive in the middle and they show up in those crazy outfits... That's who is in the corner. Yeah, that's who is in the bottom corner here. Okay. It's just such a left turn, you know? Yeah, like, know. Yeah. Oh, you got it close. You got it. You got it. Good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, to see the chat, we're looking at the actual YouTube live stream, um, which means that we're seeing it, like, three seconds late, which is a little annoying. Um, yeah, so when they actually show up, like, their outfits are so ridiculous, and this firefight breaks out, and... Like, you know, Tosk is in jail and they try to go capture him. Um, I, it's really good. Like, it's just all well done. The action beats are good. It makes sense. Like, people's motivations are clear. You know, who's good, who's bad is clear. And then when they stop fighting, it kind of makes sense yeah. also because, like, Tosk is the thing that they're looking for. Um, it's they do. So this is one where I feel like they do take care of, they, they head off at the pass a lot of the common complaints that people have about Star Trek stuff. The whole thing that is 
comical, but I I mm, mm, I appreciate his existence. The like, let's wave away the prime directive is brilliant because then there's nothing for the rest of the episode where you're like, well, you know, why are they doing this or right. why is O'Brien allowed to do that? Doesn't matter. They already they already told you we're not doing the no the the first contact protocols, not the prime. Oh protocol. yeah, I gotcha, gotcha. So they make all of that like, is that how we treat aliens when we first meet them? Doesn't matter. They already told O'Brien he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, totally. And you know what I love is that Tosk like. Before he's captured, uh, he talks to the computer and he asks it like for a, a schematic. Yeah, and it says, "Yeah, we can show you these sections." And he says, "Okay, where are the weapons?" <laughs> right. And I was like, "Sure," I was gonna say restriction, restriction. like access nope. restricted or something. And it's like weapons are stored on the fucking promenade or right. whatever it was. We'll <laughs> tell you where the weapons are, yeah. and we'll tell you what security level you need to get out. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like that was absolutely <laughs> for a station that you know. People from all over the galaxy can come and dock. That was ridiculous. <laughs> they just told him exactly where to look for the weapons. I feel like there's there's a, a lesson there about Starfleet itself, where that's that's their arrogance. Is they're like, yeah, information's good. Here's where all the weapons are. Here's how you could like blow up the station if you wanted to. Yeah, but, uh, that is their arrogance. Please don't. Yeah, totally, totally. They're very open with information, which I respect. But I feel like that is foolish. I mean, they make Deep Space Nine seem like a fragile egg. In the last episode, when Jahil was going to take off in his ship. The whole reason they weren't like, fuck you, is because it would tear away the docking rings. They're like, right. it's going to ruin all this stuff. Right. Like, that's how delicate you're... Okay. Although, I mean, I don't know. I bought that. It seems like it would be super easy to just... If the Cardassians wanted, they would just warp in a ship and just fly it into the center of Deep Space Nine. It would be all done. You yeah. Know? Like, if his ship is docked and about to explode, and it, would, it says it would take out, like, half the habitat ring, I buy it. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um... So yeah, once the hunters arrive, then we we meet the the hunter, the lead hunter dude, who yes. also mm-hmm. also turned in like a really good performance. He's good, and he's I've seen him in other stuff, right? He's both like, of these guys have been on Star Trek multiple okay, times. Okay. Yeah, I looked him up. I, I don't know what else they've been in, but yeah, they both have familiar faces. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, but so he shows up, and then you kind of get the information about what's happening with the hunt. These are ours. We're hunting him. Stay yeah. out of our way. Yeah, and you learn that like being Tosk means that you are bred to be the hunted. And there's probably, like, multiple tasks being bred all the time. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that whole thing sounds really interesting. And you got this, like, Are weird futuristic medieval society. Are you telling me that you don't society. have the same kind of thing on your planet, perhaps, in the past, Commander? Yeah. <laughs> this seems like the kind of thing that everyone does. Yeah, like, uh, talking about blood sports a little bit, which yeah. is an interesting topic, as something that happened on our own planet, that we now... I mean, I you know, I actually, when I was in Spain on that Europe trip I was telling you about, I saw a bullfight, which mm. is a blood sport, you right, know? Right, 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 right. Which was really interesting. I mean, it was kind of... Kind but it's of, also one where if you participate in it, there's a chance you're going to get gored. It's Right, but, it's the, gross, the, bull, but... the bull is going to die, you know? Yes, the like, bull always loses. The bull always dies, but the person could get very hurt, and right. that's an... Un, I mean, that is wildly unfair for, for the bull... Uh, and I, I don't think that this is necessarily like, I don't think that killing a creature for, for the entertainment of others can ever really be morally justified. Um, but it is still a blood sport that still, I don't know if it still happens now. This was like a decade ago or something. I mean, I, I, I would say it could be done. Yeah. But it used to be humans. I mean, it used to like, it used to be humans, you know, in like the Roman arenas and everything. Like they used to. Like let lions, lions attack, attack yeah. people and shit, yeah. and like like Gladiator the movie. I mean, that you, it used to be fights to the death in pits or like the hundred. You know, this if is why you're I mean, an enemy of one crew. Like if you are one crew, or you are an enemy of one crew. <laughs> you know. Uh, 
so yeah, t- talking about that a little bit about how like can you be a civilized society and right. have blood sports, which they kind of touch on for for a second, just yeah. enough to say that Cisco says you're gross, and you're then they gross. walk away from it. But see, the other thing they also do is they make these guys clearly like we're going to come in, we're going to do whatever we want. So they show them as effectively not respecting the laws of the Federation at all. Right. You know, they just start ha- they just start shooting at Deep Space Nine teleporting in, you know. It's clear that these people would also murder Federation citizens in their pursuit of the hunt. They're yeah. not just going to come up and destroy anything for no reason, but they're easily going to justify. So that makes it clear to the viewing audience, like, these are bad guys. So right. you don't question what else we do to them. Even if we judge their culture, it still is like, well, you came in here shooting a bunch of stuff and with your white beams. <laughs> yeah, and it's... I. It's such an interesting thing because, like, in the Star Trek world with the Prime Directive, they, they, they are supposed to stay out of this entirely. They're supposed right. to just not interfere with this hunt at all because yep. it's a private matter of another race and it's not their place to judge. But answer a cry judge. for help. That's what they're allowed Ans- Yeah, they can answer a cry for help. Um, but they do have to turn over the Tosk to mm-hmm. be put in a cage for the rest of his life. Right. So I, I love that O'Brien takes it into his own hands and just says, like, no, fuck that. This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm, I'm going to do what I think is right. Which, again, it feels very medieval. He, of like, he's allowing Tosk to choose his own death. Right. And it seems like there's no good answer in this solution. So the, the lesser... Is, Letting him choose his own death is the right answer. I think, so. I think it's the right answer. I think, I, think there is no, I think there's no good solution because Tosk is unable to hit, admit his own... Uh, value as a sentient human well, well we not human to, but as a sentient Tosk we let know? Tosk choose his own death we impose sanctions against the hunting species they're not allowed to they already said they're not going to continue the hunt in the Alpha Quadrant but also you know what you assholes can't dock at our space mall and pick things up so right. I hope you had fun the first time here yeah yeah so I mean the best solution is just to give Tosk another day to be hunted but the thing that's the most questionable about this whole situation that they don't go into at all is like when Tosk was being freed by O'Brien mm-hmm. and he shot the weapons and stuff. Right, right. You know, when Tosk like shot those dudes and one of them fell off of the promenade onto the ground. Yeah. Were those guys killed? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I figure at the end they're going to have to come through and mop up and be like, all right, these guys are just the weird helmets. They're back on their ship. I think it's an important distinction of whether or not they were killed because the episode synopsis on Memory Alpha... Hey, Jamason, what's up, dude? It said that they were killed, but mm. I don't think that they were because I have two two reasonings for this. One, I think that Miles would then have been a party to murder of the first <laughs> alien species the that second, came through second the second alien wormhole. species. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would also be superhuman. Yeah, right. we did our best with the first alien species that came through, but then we started straight up murdering number two. Yeah, and, and he would be kicked out of Starfleet in a second. Yeah. So I think that they must still be alive. And two, I because Tosk are hunted and it is an unfair system, I am almost positive that... Uh, Tosk are not allowed are trained not to kill. I think that right, right, the Tosk right. is the bull in this situation where the Tosk will most certainly die, mm-hmm. but the hunters are probably not going to get hurt. That's interesting. Yeah, that's my theory. Yeah, so I, I like it. Yeah, but I wish the episode would say that because I think it's an important distinction. Yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it, that does make a difference. It does make a difference. Yeah. But yeah, what else? What else we got? I'm... They get to block lasers with their wrists. Oh yeah, that was pretty badass. <laughs> then, I like that a lot. Uh, just like everything where it's it's. They're really good at finding exactly where that phaser is going, or Starfleet is like, aim for the head, aim for the head, aim for the head. That's all right. they can do. And they seem like decently like equipped and able-bodied they soldiers. Make these, right. One of the things that makes me think of the future is like, 
why the fuck do we not see the founders come through with like shut your shields off technology? Yeah, because these guys just get like a little purple thing they shoot at you for a couple seconds and boom, your shields are down. And shields are like the number one most important part of space battle in Star Trek because they show that once shields are down, you can transport things on and off. You right. can start like beaming bombs onto ships, beaming captains out into space, you know? You can fuck up a ship that doesn't have shields. Beaming yet. doctors into your virus-riddled runabout. <laughs> do anything you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to get into the rating? I, uh, yeah. I'm actually really curious. I haven't thought about this yet. Oh, did anyone in chat have questions or topics about the Yeah, uh, while I make while this... While doing the rating? While I make this uh, straw poll. Oh, I, while he's doing that, I'll talk about one of the things I wrote down was the Universal Translator working overtime in this episode. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. It's, it's Universal Translator, again, it's it's the replicators, it's the transporters, it's one of these things in Star Trek where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Universal Translator can't help with this, like, virus language that is consistent, which was pointed out, so effectively, words are just now arbitrarily different words, which is exactly what the Universal Translator does, is untangling right. this. And it's not like, oh, we downloaded their language matrix or anything. It's just, these people show up, and then right away, it's like, we're all talking together. Yeah, that is internally inconsistent, even in this show. Yeah. Like, you will eventually see uh, someone show up that we've never met before, from I think from the Gamma Quadrant. And they'll start talking, and we don't understand what they're saying, but then eventually the translator starts to work, and they like words are peppered in that make sense, and eventually right. we can hear them. Uh, so they kind of set up a logic for the translator later yeah. that is completely ignored in this episode, it, where as soon as Tusk shows up, you can understand it. It just works. The Universal Translator in across all Star Trek series just works the way it needs to work for the episode. in that episode. The yeah. transporters, the replicators, they kind of try to talk about it, but then still it's like, eh, the yeah. economy... Yeah, just it's, let it be what it needs to be for this episode, right? You yeah. like Star Trek, don't you? Dude? Yeah, and I, th- I think, so I think to a certain point that that's actually the right way to go. Because, oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, especially with the economy because like you don't need that information necessarily, and you can kind of fill it in with your headcanon if you have to. But it is still kind of it like nicks at me sometimes. To so, me, like, what is it? What's up, it and pointing it out is part of the game, and making fun of it is in a way making fun of people that complain about any violations of canon yeah. or consistency because Which it's is just like, fun. It's baked into Star Trek. It's just fun. But if, like you, if, if it's that's your thing, like, well, I can't watch this show because the Universal Translator isn't consistent, eh, you know? Yeah. Well, I can't watch this show because the Klingons aren't consistent. Then you eh. don't Then you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. <laughs> that's why Discovery is not special. I'm slowly chipping don't, away. Don't, don't. <laughs> you're not chipping away. You're just, you're, you're, you are laying you. bricks onto, like, the foundation of my anger. Um, okay, there's the straw poll to straw vote poll. on yes, the rating. Vote. So what, what do we think? Doug, what do you think? Rating this episode? Oh, this episode? Boy. Um, I give it an eight. Wow. Yeah, I would normally give it higher, but I really... I... I I clearly don't like the implication of the first scene, and I wish that it had been explored more in this episode. It needed to be a denouement at the end. This had to be part of the epilogue. It should have been the way that they bookended it, to watch Quark get some form of punishment or something to make it clear, like, yeah, we get that he's being, like, criminally bad to the Dabo girls. Right. We're not going to even address, like, Oh well, is their culture is this is this is this okay for them to do in their culture? Uh, but they just they leave all of that for you to figure it out on your own. 
But everything else in the episode that does explore the conflict of cultures, I did enjoy. And because, again, that it was emotionally driven and philosophically driven with the interactions between people, all of that stuff, I think, continues to hold up with repeated viewings, unlike a show where it's completely driven on made-up pseudo-babble science. Yeah. Boom! Well, well put. Eight. Yeah, I think that's super awesome. You got your homework done. Congrats, dude. <laughs> yeah, this one's tricky for me because that Quark thing really bothered me. And also, not knowing if if Toss killed those dudes at the end makes it not really make sense. That My- It's just kind of shrugged off and Miles is like, mm-hmm. okay. And also the fact that like Cisco was in his own way complicit with this because he told Odo to do his slow shuffle to the turbo yeah. lift. Ooh, that's, so, that actually was a very satisfying Oh, I love end. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where, oh, sir, I, I thought that we'd be caught as soon as you found After us. After getting taken. Yeah, we just we just had a weird. Should I probably not be lag. streaming it also on my phone to myself? <laughs> it shouldn't matter. <laughs> I'm yeah. downloading a bunch of stuff while I'm here. <laughs> Using that Wi-Fi, Thanks baby. Using your Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, I I want to know. I want there to be like consequences for O'Brien. Mm. I think that's the only thing well, that disappoints me a little there bit. There are consequences. Like, him getting barely. yelled at by him getting yelled at by Cisco are the consequences. Sure, that's and, a little thin. No, I think it's fine because then, you know, he also is sort of like, he's told, he's given the rigmarole, which I think implies, like, if you do pull shit that's outside of regulations, I'm going to be mad about it, and you may cross the line that, you know, I don't want you to cross, and then I'm going to rein you back in. Yeah. I'm still the boss. I'm, yes, you made the right call, you went off on your own, but I'm still the fucking boss around here. It's that classic... Uh, a classic Star Trek trope of like the captain chewing someone out and then like stopping him and saying, "But also, well done." Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Something something about that was a little jarring for me. Just like, I mean, if especially if those dudes were killed from the hunter species, mm-hmm. then Miles not being kicked right out of Starfleet doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, space stations are dangerous. It's also yeah. Bajoran law technically. Federation is just administration. Bajorans are super used to just sweeping bodies up, yeah. pushing them under the car. I, I think emotionally, for the emotional arc, if there had been higher, uh, like, like a higher stake for Miles also, I right. think it would have been more emotionally satisfying because I, it's a, such a sad ending. It's like a bittersweet ending where Tosk gets to go, he gets released, and, you know, O'Brien helps him escape and the hunt can continue, but then they can never see each other again. Right. And you get that wonderful moment where he says, you are Tosk now as well. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. do you want to come with me? And he says, no, I can't because my wife and kid are here. <laughs> I, you know, that was just so cool. I just really, How many times I really liked all that so much. When O'Brien is just like, I should have gone with Tosk. Never. I should have gone with Tosk. <laughs> maybe, maybe only that one episode where he gets tortured for a million years. Definitely should have gone with Tosk. Yeah. But, so, what's, so what's your ranking? Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Because right. I, I, I think the, the strongest point for me is the relationship between the two of them. And I think that that is special enough to kind of override some of my misgivings about it. Yeah. Uh, and that there is such a good Star Trek story here. Um, I'm feeling... I'm feeling I'm feeling a 7.5. Okay, that's seven, solid. Seven bricks, five strips. I'm curious how the voting comes. Amanda says that she disagrees with me on this one. Oh, shit. Well, okay, we got to do math again. Oh, yeah. I'll do the math. I'm giving this a 7.5. It's going to be a low. People did not like this one. I, I like. I mean, I really like this one a lot. Can you go back to the results? Yes. Okay, we got a 9, an 8, and a 5. You much preferred Babel. Oh, interesting. Oh, 7.3. 7.3. 7. All right, let's just round to 7.5. 
That's what I, what I say. It's only numbers. There's zero need to be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so who's our favorite character in this episode? Favorite character? Tosk. I mean... Yeah. That's... So, so much of this episode is on that performance. Because if Tosk was played... I don't want to say, like, too smart, but too much of a sentient thing, then this episode gets really, you know, ugh, uh, why are they just kind of being cool with this thing? And uh, if he's played too animalistic, then, you know, I, it also, it, 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 it's got a real small window of the sweet spot that that performance needs to hit, and I think yeah. he hits it. So that's why I'm also voting for him as favorite character. Okay, so best performance and favorite character, you're going Tosk. Yep. I just put the straw poll down for favorite character. The choices I put were Tosk, O'Brien, uh, Cisco, and Odo. And who did you pick? Well, this is tricky for me because I really love Tosk in this one, but I think that this episode is the foundation of my love of Miles O'Brien. Like, yeah. him yeah. calling Tosk friend all the time is just so great. And like the the warmth and the heart that he shows in this is so great and you don't see it often from him because you just see him complaining about having to do his job and being grumpy and stuff yeah, and yeah, 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 being yeah. emotionally okay. stunted but something about like seeing someone that he loves and just like instantly and just like has this bromance with is so great so i'm gonna go i really love toss but i'm gonna for favorite character i'm gonna go o'brien okay okay cool 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 okay and then chat favorite character O'Brien! All right! O'Brien gets it. Okay. So now now let's talk best performance. Let me make that poll as well. Yeah. Best performance. I'm going to vote Tosk again. You don't get to vote. You're voting already. Well, I guess you can vote, and then I'll vote too. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't vote because it's chat only. Best performance? Yeah. Oh, I thought we I thought we participated in best performance. Well, we pick our own, and then chat gets to pick. And if we oh, vote, oh, I guess I mean on my pick, not if, my. Vote. If we vote, we destroy the world. Okay. Tosk. You know, I can log in here and vote. Don't don't do it. I will I will end this show right now. <laughs> okay, who else do we want for best performance? We got. Oh, I have to put. I have to nominate Odo for his like slow walking his, <laughs> Odo's slow walking is so close to winning this for me because yeah, I laughed nice. so hard and then he, I laughed so hard again because he like stopped and then kept going he did like 10 different things in that one walk to the turbo lift that is fucking brilliant um okay don't make me pull this show <laughs> over totally who else who else <laughs> Toss O'Brien and Odo I, I feel like that's pretty solid uh yeah the other guy I mean the the other one that I like the was the, the hunter yeah the hunter because that's another really one that good. has to be done he gets some hokey lines but you know. and he has to be like like aristocratic and he he conveys yeah. so much about his society he's he's the he's the the, the yeah the the fox hunter on the on the horse you yeah know? so Doug you say you say Tosk for best performance even, he even pulls up he might as well have like a polo stick I actually agree that Tosk is the best performance okay. Paul's not there. Wait, what does this button do? No, it's there. It's there. Um, yeah, I, I Odo's performance in this is great, but for me, Tosk like killed it. Like, I he did. Oh yeah, Scott, Scott McDonald. McDonald. Nice. Okay, great, because he comes back as other characters, so he might win this again. He played Zindi Reptilian in Enterprise. In, in Enterprise. And you get to see his face in I think the first episode of Voyager. He's a mm. he's a character. Um, Scott McDonald is Tosk. He he like threaded the needle of this like incredibly difficult thing. That's a great like it's a 
just seeing all oh, the, yeah. those are the Wait, characters. We can show the camera. Wait, let's see if that works. There we go. I got you on the live feed. There's all of Scott McDonald's characters. Nice. That's how we can play the episode. I'll just put it on my phone. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna do it! I'm gonna do it! Whoa, 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 whoa! I'm doing it. Hold on. I just want to show Netflix. Show Netflix. I want to show um, Odo's walk so bad. I want to like celebrate okay. Odo's walk. Can you switch to the chat so I can see what the yes students? Oh yeah, we gotta check the poll. Oh yeah. Best performance results. Tosk gets it! Yeah. 100% of the votes. Cool. Oh, this is interesting. This is the this is the first episode where me, you, and chat were all in agreement. On anything. On, no, on uh, oh. performance. We all, agreed that we all agreed Garrett, on Derek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, um, not core characters, but someone else, you know. Well, I guess Garrett kind of is a core character, but not the people, the Starfleet staff. Where's my continue watching? What the hell? <laughs> oh, there it is. It's is on top where it's supposed Amazon to be. Amazon or Netflix? This is not the right account. <gasps> I didn't oh, log into your phone. Wait, what? no, I canceled my Netflix and I share with Andy now. Oh, okay. No, wait. No, this is my account. That was... <laughs> uh, that was. I was on the wrong profile. That was someone that used to use my account and no longer does. Okay, I'm very confused about how Netflix works. Amanda wrote, well, there was only Tosk, and I don't know if she's making a joke about that's why so everyone horrible. voted for Tosk, or if there was something wrong with the poll. <laughs> Amanda's very generous with her Netflix account, so if anyone is looking for a hookup with Netflix... I fucking found it. Uh, the walk? Yeah. I fucking found it! <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on, here we go, you guys. This is fucking happening right now. I hope that I hope that I don't get any incriminating notifications <laughs> while I'm holding this up. Oh, there's no hurry. Oh. Well then I'll walk slowly. Wait, he's my commander. And he's breaking rules. Huh. I haven't really I misjudged this man, I think. Well, I'm gonna go even slower. <laughs> as slow as I possibly can. I'm gonna saunter this way. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's so good. It's like it's like miraculously good. All right, let's do our best auto head. Commander, there's no hurry. I can't do it. <laughs> okay, pitch me. <laughs> okay. Constable, there's no hurry. <laughs> I think I think you did it better than me. <laughs> um, yeah, so we both like that episode better. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. Nice. Well, less than chat. Chat, chat, uh, chat did not like it. I think Amanda's vote really dragged it down. Yeah, I, I think Amanda is not a fan of that episode. Okay, <laughs> hey guys, so what's next? Let's take a look. Uh oh. Oh my God! So next, hey, what's up, Trayvon? Next we have. Uh, next time we're gonna have two more episodes. Qless and Dax. We get the episode uh, where yeah. Q comes to Deep Space Nine. Oh, that reminds me. Mushroom ratings. Mushroom ratings. <laughs> space mushrooms. So thanks, four. Amanda. I did a nice impersonation of uh, Cisco. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I appreciate that. Babel is is eight mushrooms because of the virus, the and virus. then yeah, and then how the universal translator doesn't come into play, even though it totally should. And the carts, yeah, the Odo carts, carts, yeah, the glass. So eight, eight mushrooms, and this one, five. Solid five, Universal Translator comes into play. But other than that, I mean, you know, it's just regular Star Trek. 
Again, five yeah. is the like all of Star Trek is basically space magic. So this is just yeah. we're at baseline space magic. Yeah, the 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 Bajoran biological weapon planted by terrorists to make people speak funny is is like by injecting a is, virus for me is like a nine point nine. Yeah, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Nine point nine space mushrooms yeah. and. But like Tosk, the Tosk episode, I think works so well for me because it's so yeah. grounded, and it's like for me, it's like a three. It's I was like, gonna say I should probably rate it on a scale and make it a three. Yeah, but man, it's that first contact Universal Translator really that bumped it back up to a five. If this had happened later in the show, and it wasn't even first contact, if it was just that was the only piece that was different, definitely I would give it a three. Yeah. But but I really like both of the episodes of this week, and I, too, it was yeah. so fun to watch. I watched them last night, and I was like, man, I'm so glad that I have like a reason to watch this. You know, <laughs> like I not only get to watch this, but I get to pay as close of attention as possible, and then talk about it after. <laughs> You're playing S- Super Smash Flash. I don't even know what that is. Um, Doug, do you want to do you want to do something a little weird right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a Super Nintendo Deep Space Nine game. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen it before? No. Um, I, I, I used to, I own this. I, I've lost it, but I found the ROM. Okay. Which is legal, because I own the game, from what I've heard. ROM? Um, He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that reminds me of something we forgot to talk about, is that, uh, like, Odo's reasoning for knowing Quark was lying is that ROM's an idiot, and right. he doesn't know how to fix replicators. Right. But we learned later that like Rom is kind of a, a, mechanical a brilliant mechanical genius. Yeah, yeah Rom is all over yeah. that. This also, I feel like uh, my Rom takes a head injury theory. Uh, this this must take place after the off-screen head injury. Yeah, told- he has a head injury that fixes his brain. He, he like uninjures his head. Okay, so I don't, I actually I just I feel like doing this, so I'm gonna try oh, it. One last thing. Yeah, the the meme for the second episode. Oh yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Boom. <laughs> Friends, I don't get it. How can you possibly spend all day shit posting about Star Trek? Me. I live the greatest adventure one could ever desire. <laughs> Which sums up this episode <laughs> so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, so again, the Instagram account, there's a link in the description. Doug makes these memes and they're awesome. Okay, so I have to switch my setup here, but I, I want to like I wanted to I haven't looked at the Deep Space Nine Super Nintendo game in like 15 years, but I remember playing it and it had awesome graphics, awesome music, and like horrendous gameplay that was almost unplayable. <laughs> okay. So I think I never got past like the first level, but I wanted to like take a look, try it out. Yeah. So we're going to so peek. let's okay. take a peek. Well, as you might imagine, listening to people play a video game is not the best podcast content. So I'm going to cut that part out of the podcast version of this episode and we're just gonna call it a day there we go we made it through another edition of space nerds thank you so much for being here i really appreciate you until next time stay nerdy out there space nerds is listener funded through patreon to support the show and gain access to bonus content sign up at patreon.com slash jesse mercury sci-fi If you love this podcast, help me spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform, leaving us a positive rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice, or by contacting me directly via email at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. For more cosmic content, including my sci-fi synth-pop album, music videos, podcasts, and live streams, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!